Hello, and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I To Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I To Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast, and so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also, I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. Today we are at the Tucson Rodeo Parade Museum, and I'm here with Stan. I have no idea anything about the Tucson Rodeo Parade or anything, but Stan's going to fill me in. Just from walking into this museum, it is unbelievable. There looks like there's a lot of buggies, a lot of displays, a lot of history. There is, so there. welcome to the podcast, Stan. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. One other thing is that we're only open from November through the first weekend in April. So always check our website, TucsonRodeoParade.org. Well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, I am too. <laughs> Thanks to us. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the parade? All righty. The Tucson Rodeo Parade started in 1925 uh, uh, to actually uh, promote the rodeo that was going to happen on the same year. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Leighton Kramer who uh, decided that he was going to do a fundraiser for the University of Arizona polo team. A uh, polo team. For a polo team that they had. And the polo field is currently where the University of Arizona Medical Center is right now, on Campbell. Okay, so, so they're not playing polo anymore. They're not playing polo there anymore. And in fact, uh, Quonset Huts, that was Polo Village, where a lot of uh, married uh, couples lived during the uh, early years of the University of Arizona, has been bulldozed also. It's, it's all underneath the medical center now. So what they did was uh, he decided to do a fundraiser, and, and he went to the mayor and city council and said, we would like to have a rodeo to, as a fundraiser. Mayor and City Council looked at him like he was silly because f to have a rodeo in Tucson was sort of like us watching somebody do a Word document, okay? Okay, right. Uh, because we had over 90 working ranches around Tucson, and it was just a common thing. It, it, it wasn't something outstanding. Every morning you went out to get on your horse, you had a rodeo. <laughs> Basically, exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. Yeah, that's the way a lot of those ranches were. <laughs> exactly, depending on what spooked the horse on that given day. So what he ended up doing was... Uh, convincing the, the mayor and city council to go ahead and have a, a rodeo, and then he says to, to uh, promote it, he was going to bring in all of these uh, uh, people from not only participants in the uh, rodeo itself, but also people that were uh, like the indigenous uh, tribes from the Apache, okay. the Tonawatam, the 
um, the Yaquis, and that he also brought in several different Hispanic groups, brought some in from Mexico, the Charros and that. So it was more of a show of Tucson's cultures, what the parade was, to show off the, the heritage and culture of Tucson, the diversity of it. And it still holds true to this day, uh, 97 years later. That's what we like to do, is we like to promote the diversity of Tucson. And do you still have the rodeo going? The rodeo still takes place. It's uh, going to take place here in another week. <laughs> so, in another week? Yes, yeah, so, uh, a week from this Saturday starts, and it um, uh, runs for a week. There's two Saturdays, or Saturday and Sunday, uh, for qualifications, and then they run what they call slack during the middle of the week. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday leads up to the finals, finals being on Sunday. Our parade takes place traditionally on Thursday. Okay. And what's unique about our parade is that uh, all of the schools in Tucson surrounding area let their students out of school. It's a holiday, sort of like some places they have the first day of hunting. Right. There's no school. In Tucson, it's the rodeo parade and the day after the rodeo parade. So they get out Thursday and Friday for that. And, okay. Uh, so. Now, this podcast is not going to come out before your parade, unfortunately. Right. So, but, we do it, so, so what dates are we talking? We always look at the last uh, full week of uh, February, and that's traditionally when it is. So the okay. dates obviously flex, and that's why I didn't give you a date. So this is so this flex. is something to plan for next year. Exactly, and we're actually planning for our 100th anniversary coming up in three years. Really? So, and uh, we're already planning for that. Wow. So, and planning for both the rodeo, the rodeo and the parade committee are two separate uh, entities. We're two different organizations because it's too much for any one organization. It's also been that way ever since the beginning. Okay. The Chamber of Commerce put on the parade, and Leighton Kramer put on the rodeo. Okay. And we'll see some pictures a little bit later on about what it looked like back then. Okay, yeah. so now do you, you have the Mexican riders and the Indian riders or Native American riders and all of that? We I have mean, them in the parade, yes. Yeah, they don't, what about yeah. in the rodeo? In the rodeo itself, it isn't. It's a PRCA. Okay, uh, so it just has the standard events. It has the standard events, I yes. know that in Sheridan, Wyoming, close mm. to where I live, they have a uh, rodeo that it has a lot of the indigenous people mm. or Native Americans or right, whatever we right, need to call yeah. them. Uh, has a lot of those, and supposedly it's an outrageous rodeo, and right. I've never managed to make it, but I guess that the <laughs> events and everything are, are a lot different than your standard PRCA right, rodeo. Right, right, and before PRCA came along, they had some very unique uh, events, such as uh, wild horse races, where you had to actually, they turned the wild horses loose inside right. this arena, which was actually built in the mid-30s, uh, and still being used today. They turned wild horses loose, and you had to go and jump on one, and then tried to ride it around the arena and see how long you could stay on it. Uh, they also had uh, one thing that I wish, in a way, that they still had because it would be pretty comical, and that was a jackrabbit roping contest. Oh, they, really? Where they released 50 jackrabbits in the arena, and you had to actually go and lasso a jackrabbit. And that so, would take some skill. It would, and I think the crowd would really enjoy it if the PRCA would sanction an event like that. But, you know, so we're pretty much, the, the rodeo committee is pretty much, um, basically they host the PRCA to come in and run the event. Okay. And so. is it a big rodeo like uh, like the Cheyenne Frontier are, Days or the yes. Pendleton Roundup? Or yes. It, it's on that scale. We're the largest, um, we're the first outdoor rodeo of the, of the season, okay. or of the rodeo season because of our weather. Uh, although a couple of years ago we had snow that happened the night before, and so all the cowboys were pretty muddy. Uh, they just called it a snow deal instead oh. of a rodeo. And they said, nah, this is real rodeo. And, you know, this is, this is not like inside these arenas and that, which is so sterile and so small. Because uh, as we get out to the arena itself, if you want to take a look at it later, we can look at it. It's a large arena. And okay. that's what they like about it because it is a very large arena. And uh, 
and so it's uh, it actually has to be restricted down to bring in portable fencing for the bull riding so okay. that they can contain because it is a large arena. Okay. Well, now let's get back to the parade now that sure, I've covered everything that's yeah. not your committee. Exactly. <laughs> Switching over to the parade committee. Yes. We still, uh, going along with your question about the rodeo with the different uh, um, groups that are in it, we still have the Tohono O'odham, uh Reservation has sends their representatives, uh, their uh, governing officials and uh, dancers, etc., musicians. The Yaki, Pasco Yaki tribe, another uh, tribe that's around here, does that also. At times we have the Apache that come in. Uh, we have the Buffalo Soldiers, which were stationed down south of here. Okay. Uh, the Black Infantry and Cavalry, cavalry Group that was uh, stationed down in Fort Patuca. They participate in it. In fact, uh, we have some harness uh, right close to where we're standing here that were actually used by the Buffalo Soldiers and uh, auctioned by Fort Tuchuca and uh, we acquired the bid by, uh, it cost us a whole dollar. Oh, really? Well, they couldn't afford to give, well, they're not allowed to give away public oh, okay. things. So uh, they opened the auction, we bid on it for a dollar because we normally don't buy items because we're a 50C3 uh, nonprofit. Right. And as you can see, there's some brass buttons up on that oh, yeah. one up there that is from the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, Along with that, we acquired a chuck wagon that they use also. Oh, really? So, um, yeah, so we've got that. And, uh, and last weekend, we had a group of Buffalo soldiers that were here, and uh, they take pride in all this stuff, and they're, they're happy that we have it, and we're preserving it for them also. Cool. Yeah, no, you've got, what, probably uh, 15 harness sets yeah, here? At least, yeah, right 15, there. 15, 16? Yes. And this is only part of it. We've got a whole another room that's filled with, I think there's eight more of these carts. Like okay. This, of harness. Wow. So, and uh, and it's all displayed on a really nice rack. You've got your hames and your collars and, and all the lines and everything all all uh, displayed. Right. Really nice looking harness sets. Well, the parade used to be downtown. Okay. And uh, so all of this had to be, the reason why they're on these carts is they had to roll these out, load them up onto a big trailer, and then haul them down. Then we took all of the wagons, had to roll them all the way down basically we're 22nd street in the freeway is just okay. east of the freeway in a big park there and that's where the staging was and then people had to spend the night there to make sure nothing got vandalized you know, right. to take care of it and then everybody brought their horses in and then if you had a horse and you wanted to pull a wagon we just you know hooked you up and says you know we've got the harness you hook up and then good luck driving through the parade we have no clue what your horse is like really whether it likes it or not okay but Did you have a lot of runaways oh there was periodically some uh, incidences yes periodically wow periodically okay. yeah so did, did anybody get run over by the horses periodically um, usually not but if you saw uh, <laughs> which is kind of ironic because the reason why we moved it from downtown out to here is because it, the crowds were so big that people were literally close enough to where they could touch the entries uh -huh. And it was, and then plus the sound of like the drums going through from the marching bands, spooking the horses and various things like that. It, it, well, it, just putting it, a yes. wagon behind a horse that's not really broke to well exactly. broke to drive. Exactly. The, the noise back there a exactly. lot of times will keep them spooked. Yes. I've been on a runaway team one time, and uh, I equate it to sitting inside of a '69 Chevelle with a 454 and a blower on it, no yeah. brakes and no steering wheel, exactly. with the gas pedal to the floor. Yes. And that's how much control right. you have. Yes. It's, it's yeah. a little bit on the terrifying side. Right. <laughs> so they moved it up here to the south side of town uh, where we've got wider streets. Um, there's uh, a lot of our rules are actually city of Tucson ordinances. 
Okay. So they, the city of Tucson comes along, they paint a red stripe on the curb all the way on both sides of the street. Nobody can step across that. And Tucson Police Department helps us with that. We have about 300 volunteers on Parade Day, too, that help assist not only in that and helping people, but also help them find the porta-potties right. you know, or maybe a lost child and, and things like that. So. And are you a little bit more particular with your horses now? We use a horse contractor now, yes, and that's okay. also for insurance reasons also. So by using a horse contractor... You know, when you rent a small buggy, uh, you not only get the, the buggy, but you also get the horse, the harness, the driver, right. a walker that walks alongside the horse also for safety, and insurance that goes along with that also. So and in other words, the feed and everything is wrapped. So in other that. words, you just told me they took all the fun out of your parade. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that we don't have a rodeo during the parade, <laughs> oh, and now okay. we don't. <laughs> we don't want to compete against the rodeo. Already. So, but uh, no, everything we do is, is for safety's sake. In fact, as we get going through, we'll probably come across one of the gentlemen that's with the wagon rentals, and uh, some of the wheels you'll see are pretty greasy right now because we just got done going through every wagon, greasing them and making sure they're safety and, and, and things like that. So, Well, and just a quick walk through here. Sure. How many wagons do you have in here? In, uh, in our museum, we have just shy of 100. Okay, and, and when I say wagons, you have a few wagons. Almost everything in here is doctor's buggies, surreys, uh, uh, Everything down every kind every kind of passenger type buggy that you can imagine I right. think I've seen and they're all in really nice painted shape if anybody is interested at all in seeing uh, wagons and horse drawn uh, uh, not equipment but horse drawn right. transportation I would say this is probably one of the best displays I've ever seen We've got everything from a little uh, $25 a uh, little buggy here, that little pony cart. Now, when you say $25, you're talking out of the Sears Robot Sears catalog. Sears that's what I was just going to say. This, this little buggy here was a kit that you could get out of a Sears Robot catalog. And I just closed the page, but for $25, you could buy this little buggy. And, and that was 1920 Yeah, uh, that was in 19... What are we looking at here? Uh, Somewhere back in that area, right. <laughs> you might say, 1909. 1909. 1909 okay, and this one here was probably set up more for uh, uh, Shetland Pony or something. Did, yeah, pretty much, and uh, because the, nowadays everybody's into the biggest horse. You know, it's, it's more of a chest thumping kind of thing. Look at me with the biggest horse kind of thing. And when, I'm glad that they are, because yeah. otherwise the draft horses would all be gone because they're too dang expensive. Yeah, to feed. exactly. But uh, so that yeah. preservation is an important part of, of that. Right. And that's what, uh, our problem is that we can't run a lot of these in our parade because of the size of the horses. And that, so the shafts here are too narrow, and we don't want right. them rubbing against the horse. Uh, again, we not only look at the safety of the passengers, we're looking at the safety of the animals, too. And that we have a vet that's on premises, that's on the parade route. Uh, we've got an, an, uh, an ambulance in case an animal decides to start getting sore or you know, right. something happens. We can move that animal safely to an ambulance and get that there under the care of the vets. And that, so again, it takes it off of our responsibility right. into somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Cool. So, anyway. And so, then over here on the other side, we've got a, a really nice saddle display. You've got, all kind, you've got side saddles, you've got McClellan's, you've got modern roping saddles. We've got show saddles and uh, all the way up to the pack saddles up in the back. That is, uh, and, and you've even got cells. some ox yokes. Yokes, right. Because now, back, do they have oxen in your parade? Uh, sometimes we do. I don't think there's any this year, but we've had some in, in recent past. And therefore, while we'll even come across an oxen cart as we go through the museum. That wow. used, to, used to run in the parade a lot. 
That is so, so cool. Okay, so that, where are you wanting to take us? <clears> well, here? we're just going to kind of roam through here. We've got a blacksmith shop because a blacksmith was kind of like your, we might say, visit Tucson or whatever, right. you're, where you'd come riding into town and say, maybe you didn't even need anything repaired. You'd just say, where can I go for a hot meal? Where can I go to stay cheap? And they'll say, oh, you can go over to John Smith over there. If you don't have money for the, you know, this particular hotel, go stay with John Smith because he needs some work done around the yard. Right. And, you can, and then his wife will fix you a good meal in the morning. Well, so. the blacksmith was probably one of the most important people in the in the community back in they were in they that were. day because your horses needed shod, your buggies needed fixed, uh, right. and they were the ones that did all of that work. Exactly. So the next thing we have is the stork's nest. The stork's nest was a birthing center here in Tucson. Uh, there was three rooms: the yellow, the pink, and the blue room. And okay. uh, for about thirty dollars, a woman could go there, give birth. Uh, she'd be taken care of for the week. It was all inclusive. There was midwives, and then there was a doctor to check out both that and the child. That is a birthing chair from the, uh, um, and it looks more like a prehistoric uh, dentist chair, I know. And, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, and these signatures are up here are actual people that were born in the, in the stork's nest. Oh, really? And so we try to take their picture and uh, do various things like that. And so them. when did this go out of business? Uh, it was uh, 1946. 1946. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, it was a lady's, uh, this lady just had an idea of having some place for women to go and give birth as opposed to being in the house. As you can see, it started in 1921. And this is a really nice display. They've got a medicine cabinet in there. They've got a, a real nice bed, some baby clothes, a set of crutches, a birthing chair, like you said, that looks a lot like a dental chair, all except it's got stirrups, stirrups on it. Uh, not not like stirrups. what you think for horses, <laughs> but uh, for, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, and there's some buggies in here and some chairs. It's a really nice little display. Right. And uh, all of the medical display parts of it has been uh, on loan to us from the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy Museum. Okay. So, um, wow. We also have. We also have um, buggies out here that were used in the movie Oklahoma. Okay. Um, we have three series here. Uh, it was actually filmed in southern Arizona here, uh, both uh, down by Sonoida and also down by Tubac. And uh, one little story about the uh, movie Oklahoma is the beginning scene when they're riding along in the Surrey and they're talking about the, the corn is as high as an elephant's eye. They actually had to rewrite the lyrics for that because there's a the movie industry got a hold of the University of Arizona College of Agriculture to plant corn, uh -huh. and the movie got delayed a little bit, and we had really good weather. So the original lyrics was, the corn is knee-high by the 4th of July. Right. Well, the corn stalks ended up being over 8 feet tall by the time wow. they got around to filming it, and so that didn't work. So they had to re... And so what they did is they planted all the corn in three-pound coffee cans here in Tucson, and then trucked it down and made up a makeshift cornfield, and that's how they, it's a the movie magic, like they still do today. Right you know, now they use CGI. They would have just put CGI in there, and back then it was actually actually uh, so, corn that was eight right. foot tall. Yeah, wow. And these buggies are so nicely restored. Or well, thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, we, the colors on them are, are nice. Right. And the pen striping, they're just, they're beautiful right. pieces. We have a couple of gentlemen that you'll see as we go through that are working on a, a park drag, which is a elite English, uh, British coach that was used okay. back in the day. So the saloon was a very uh, a popular place in town. It wasn't only a drinking establishment. It was also a lot of times on Sundays used as a church. Um, the, the, the Catholic religion was uh, fairly established here, thanks to Father Kino coming up through. 
And so, but when it came to Protestant and uh, and synagogues, a lot of times they would have it, Sunday mornings. They would have their services here in in the saloon because it, okay. it was large enough to hold people. Okay, okay. it also, wasn't because the guys were still there from the night before, and their wives could come meet up, and they'd still well, go to church. Well, I, I won't, I won't uh, argue with that. That might be too. You never know. Uh, it was also used a lot of times for as a classroom to teach adult education, so that people could start learning how to read or write or you know do some math and that. And a lot of times, because we didn't have a lot of tall trees here, they would pop out a center board out of the ceiling and uh, use a rafter there, and this would be a courthouse, and then they'd string them up right there in the... Oh, really? In, in, the, in, the, in the saloon, so... Um, oh, so it was a hanging parlor, yeah, too. Yeah, you didn't have to build a, a place gallows. to hang out. Yeah, exactly, literally, there you exactly. Go. Okay. You know, with your toes a little bit off the ground. Okay, <laughs> and they've got a nice little uh, bar room scene here. You know, they've got the bar, they've got a bartender, and, and uh, another guy standing here at the cash register... A couple of ladies, one of them holding a guitar, another one sitting by a piano. Looks like a player piano. Right. It's a nice little, nice little display. Now, this room that we're in, he's got uh, buggies going all the way down the middle of this room. And it's probably 25 foot wide. Right. And coming down each side, he's got little display rooms right. with different things, like the maternity room and the saloon and... We're headed on down. We've got the parade boss here. Right. This is uh, some of the awards. Actually, they're, they're plaques and that that we've received through the years. Uh, the Kurt Sullivan Sweepstakes Award for the parade. Um, Royal Irving Memorial Award. That's kind of faded by the wayside. He was one of the uh, um, uh, parade committee members back from back in the day and that's... Uh, now, this Kurt Sullivan Award is really interesting. You've got a longhorn cow or bull, bull yeah. and... Uh, it's all covered with turquoise. Turquoise, right? Yes. Yeah, the skull is skull part of it is covered with turquoise, and it's uh, and uh, Kurt Sullivan's daughter actually is on the parade committee right now, and uh, she became the first female chairman of the rodeo parade committee. Okay, which was breaking the ice, and uh, she was the first one, first female on the committee, and then eventually first female that was the chairman of the committee. Okay, uh, Seal Peterson was uh, a famous uh, in Tucson, famous with the ladies. She had a, a very high-end um, dress shop. Okay. And so my mom, I was born and raised in Tucson, and my mom, whenever we'd have to go to a wedding and sh she was asked to be an important part of the wedding, they'd all go, the women would all go to Seal Peterson and, uh, and purchase the, uh, their dresses from there. It was, it was very high-end. Okay, and in, this, and in this minuet or whatever right. you want to call it, or whatever you've got... You've got some dresses, you've got a little feathered hat, you've got a lady working at a sewing machine, another lady that looks like she's trying on some high-end clothes, mm -hmm. uh, some boots, a and dress just forms, a, lot of, right. a lot of the, I would say, 1920s, maybe right. a little bit earlier fashion right. uh, going on in here. Right. And she ran a store downtown and eventually at Elkhorn Mall, which was, and it has since been bulldozed, the mall has been bulldozed, and it's uh, got a couple other big box stores there now. But everything that you see in this vignette is from Seal Peterson, from okay. her collection. She was a grand marshal of our parade one time because she was a very influential person in Tucson. And uh, so, I'm assuming Tucson was a lot smaller then, just by looking at some of the pictures. It was. And some of that. Tucson's really boomed, uh, especially in the past 30 years. It's right. really taken off and uh, and really expanded. And that uh, I'm going to back up and talk about the one little buggy here. Okay, uh, this, we're looking at a, We're looking at kind of a doctor's buggy with a. Uh, 
top over the top. It's got a, a dashboard that is woven red and black and painted kind of green with a red pen striping. Right. And so this was given, Levi Manning was uh, the mayor of Tucson. Okay. And there's a big building that's down, we call it, us locals call it Snob Hollow because it's where all the rich lived. Okay. Uh, down off of uh, the freeway and uh, just, just west of downtown, basically. And there's the Manning House that's still there. It's now owned by a nonprofit medical group. And so um, he gave this buggy to his child for his 13th birthday, to his son for his 13th birthday. So it's sort of like giving your son a Corvette. Right. And saying, here, have at it, oh, son. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful yes, piece. It is. So wow. So did he give him? Did he give his son a horse too? Or? <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> this is a Studebaker, actually. This is a Studebaker showpiece. So it's again, it's a, a little different green. It's almost like an olive drab kind of green with a, a cream trim, cream seats on it, and it's got nickel silver trim on it, uh, accents on it. And there was a gentleman who came through who was actually from the Studebaker Museum back in Indiana, and he pointed out that this is a showpiece, and how you can tell is because of the nickel silver, because otherwise it would be black metal that they would use back then or painted. And uh, this, just like t vehicles today, vehicles back then like to show off things and get oh, yeah. you to, to, you know, to buy things. So this front seat here actually rotates around and slides up against the dash. Oh, really? And this is where your children would sit. So if you're driving back there and you've got your lines going up to the harness, yeah, they didn't think too much about safety back then, okay? Uh, except for that you could keep an eye on the kid right. already with your eyeballs. That seat also folds forward, and if you wanted to, this would fold up against the dash to give you some more knee room and to convert it into a little pickup truck. Wow. So they, they thought of things back then. One of the other Surreys back over here has what they call a jump seat. The back seat actually, the front seat folds up, uh -huh. and then you take both seats and you jump them forwards. And, uh, and you, they don't slide forwards, they literally they, go up in this mechanism and move forwards and then that Surrey can be made into a little pickup truck. Wow, that is really cool. <laughs> now for people that don't realize it, Studebaker is an old, old company. Right. And everybody, well, a lot of people are familiar with the Studebaker automobiles of the, well, they, they were kind of in the business until 1966. Mm -hmm. But before that, they were building carriages, buggies, and the such. Right. In fact, the buggy that carried President Lincoln to Ford Theater was a Studebaker. Right, and they started in 1853 with three employees, okay. and they made three buggies. Okay. So that's when they started. I can remember those threes. 1853, three employees, three, three buggies they made in that first year. And then they expanded into not only making automobiles, but they made military vehicles. Right. If you could have a chance to get to the Studebaker Museum in Indiana, it's, it's you know... I've been there. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> impressive, isn't it? It's it is. Impressive. It's, it's very impressive. Now, I, I think one thing that we need to talk about as we're talking about a different museum is we're not the, uh, and, um, how do you put it? We're not the, the clean, sterile kind of museum. We're more of, this is what we got. This is, this right. is you know, it's more walk up and touch it, you know, type of thing. Take photos if you want to. Um, and, so, and that's really cool. I, right. li I like museums that are, that are like that. We only have one vehicle, two vehicles that are roped off. One's being repaired and the other one is, well, I'll talk about when we get there. Okay. Behind you is uh, El Conquistador Hotel. Uh, it's right where <laughs> the mall is where Seal Peterson had. So you know what the history of that is. It got tore down. Um, but it was a, one of the top uh, hotels here in Tucson. The dome that's on top, when they tore it down, the dome ended up going up on North Oracle Road at Casa Blanca Shopping Center. 
It, so it's okay, still there. So it's still around. The, the uh, front, which you can't see behind the palm trees there too well, that's actually an entryway into a housing development on the north side of town to a fairly nice neighborhood, uh, Rancho Sinvacas. And then the, what you're looking at here is the actual front desk, actual key box, their safe, some bullfighting posters from Nogales that, uh, that they've flown there, and then the little candle sconces that they used to have when they first opened okay. it. Uh, wow. Because of the lack of electricity on, in the hallways and that. They actually, and plus the ambiance of candles was, it was pretty back then. Right. And that, so, and that. Uh, on the other side of the, um, this hall, we've got uh, an assay office, E.A. Jacobs, who moved here to do assaying for the Ajo mine, which is about 100 and some odd miles to the west of here. Okay. He actually went out there, didn't like it, so he moved back to where the city was and then made them bring all of their ore here for assaying. Okay. Plus there was more uh, mines that were south of Tucson, so he had more of a, a variety of mines here. So and There's a really cool sign up there that says Pima County, which is where Tucson is, right. produced in 1941, metals valued at $18 million. Many small mines need capital to reopen. Grub stake, a good miner, and both make money. Investigate first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So then we've got a, a barber shop, uh, and this, when the, Mr. Perry went out of business, he offered it to the uh, Parade Museum, and he says, I'll leave the door unlocked on Sunday morning, go down and, and get it. Parade Committee goes down on Sunday morning, and the door was locked, so they jimmied open, start bringing stuff out. Tucson Police Department shows up and says, what are you guys doing? They was, well, Mr. Perry gave us his, his clothes. He goes, well, Mr. Perry's is another block down, <laughs> so they had to put everything back. And had <laughs> so there's, there's stories, and all of these buggies, if only they could talk, you know, and oh, tell yeah. their stories, you know. So uh, oh, these I'm, are, sure, I'm sure that they heard plenty of stories <laughs> going down the, the trail. Right. So as you can see, it says Municipal Airport, Tucson, November 20th, 1919. This was actually the first municipal airport in the United States. Oh, really? What happened was Pancho Villa was raiding Columbus, New Mexico, which was right on the border. There, the Army Air Corps had a base there. Okay. okay. Um, Levi Manning, thinking back to that carriage, okay, was, uh, was mayor at the time, and he owned this property. And he was a big real, real estate investor in that, so he owned quite a bit of property around here, including uh, half of the Rincon Mountains to the east here. There's a Manning camp, which you can still get with the National Park Service and go up there and stay in the Manning cabin. Okay. Anyways, um, so he, he found out about this thing going on over there in Columbus, New Mexico, and he says, oh, uh, I've got property over in, in Tucson. You're 60 miles away from the Mexican border. You, you don't have to worry about Pancho Villa's guys coming through and slicing the fabric on your biplanes. You're far enough away. So they went, oh, that's a great idea. So meanwhile, he gets a hold, once he got that firmed up, he gets a hold of the, the city uh, council and says, hey, you know, I've got this property down here, and the Army Air Corps is interested in it. I'll sell you the property so you can take it over. And they went, okay. So if you think, uh, yeah, okay. Anyways, read between the <laughs> Insider <lines>. trading? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So anyways, so uh, this hangar that we're about ready to go into is the original, one of the original hangars, there was two of them, that were brought up from Nogales, as oh, hangers, really? there were factory buildings that they brought up as hangers, and actually the adobe. So this is so this is actually a that's hangar the original. from 1990. Yes, and this here wow. was added on in the 1920s as uh, they backed the biplanes in to, so they could serve them in all these little portals that you might see these vignettes okay. and all these. And then 
Eventually, I didn't realize we were sitting standing in an old hangar. That's right. I knew this was all dirt floor filled with uh, horse manure because this is where the city of Tucson then, after uh, the Air Force came around, they moved to Davis-Monthan. And then the airport, which was known as Mays Field, ended up moving to two other locations before they ended up where they are now. Okay. It still has a municipal airport. So um, anyways, so what happened was this city had this, so they ended up making this into their stables, this adobe building into stables, because they still had horse-drawn fire wagons, they still had horse-drawn uh, garbage trucks, they had their mounted police yet, and things okay. like that. So each of these then turned into stables. Okay. Okay, and then so that's how that got evolved, and then it became the Pima County Fairgrounds, and in 1963, it was given to the parade committee for storage, and then in 1965, the parade committee decided, well, you know what, we've got all this stuff, why don't we try showing it off a little bit. So, that explains this building so much more. I, I, walking down through here, I was wondering, how come you have all the little rooms off to the side and the big wide yeah. area coming in and stuff? And, right. And the thing that's interesting is this, this part that was built in 1925 is all wood. Right. Whereas the one that was built in 1919 is all metal structure. Right. So if you look, uh, when we get around outside, you'll see that there's actually, it's made out of adobe. Okay. And the adobe was actually constructed right here on the premises. It wasn't brought in. Okay. And adobe is a brick that's made right. out of just mud and straw and everything. And, and then I'll show you a part where they repaired it, and I'll tell you a story about that, too. Okay. So uh, we're now walking into the hangar. Um, this has some of our other uh, vignettes that we have on display. Uh, the whole story about there's a slideshow here that talks about the... Uh, Things like not only the Pony Express, but the overland stage route and things like that, the importance of the uh, overland stage routes. Okay. Uh, and a lot of models that people have donated to us through the years. Now, were there a lot of the, the big trails that came through here, like the Santa Fe Trail? Well, you had or? the Butterfield Trail, but then there's, you know, they, they just used that. It was only active for a few years, but for the most part, we didn't have like the Santa Fe Trail and those, you okay. know, they were... They were um, but yet you have you have Tombstone, which right. was a major cowboy hangout. I don't right. really know the whole story of Tombstone. Well, but you'll that's have to only, visit. That's only yes. what forty miles south. Exactly. Of here? Yeah, it's about an hour's drive south of here. Yeah. It's real pretty down there. We're, we're planning on heading down to Tombstone yes. and, and taking yeah. a look around when we get right. through here in Tucson. But right. you guys have so many museums here in Tucson that, and and I'm scheduled with several podcasts. So I'm excited yeah. because you guys are kind of what I would almost consider a museum. Mecca. Capital, right? Mecca, yeah. Mecca. yeah yes, I like the word yes. Mecca much better, right? Because there's so much going on here, and it's not real well advertised, right? And uh, we're working on that. I'm actually uh, on the board of the Southern Arizona Attractions Alliance, and we promote a, a passport that you can buy for twenty-five dollars. It's also an app. You can get either a three-day, seven-day, or the full-year passport for twenty-five dollars, and it's got over a hundred locations that you can go to. And usually, a lot of them are buy one get one free as far as admissions to various, and it pays for itself quickly. Oh, it would. You know, so. And like I said, we, we've got, I think I've got seven museums to do mm. here in Tucson that are, I, I like to say oddball, but I don't really mm -hmm. like to say oddball. They're different. You right. know, it's not right. your art museum right. or whatever. It's like the buggy museum, the parade mm -hmm. museum. Right. Who else has a parade museum? Right. <laughs> Actually, we're looking at changing the name because we have so much more than, people come and go, Oh, I expected just to see a couple things about a parade. I didn't know you had four buildings worth of, of you know, buggies and of stuff, everything. Yeah. yeah, history. So this little uh, miniature display here was actually found in the basement of the Children's Museum when they were cleaning it out. And uh, we put it up as a display. And then one of the uh, local news reporters uh, came by 
and was he brought his sons through it. And he goes, oh, that's pretty amazing. I love that. And the kids loved it too. And so uh, we says, we don't know who Paul and Wilma are. He goes, well, we'll find out. So that evening on the news, he was talking about it. He, he has phone out. He was videotaping. He did a little article at the end of the newscast. But, he's, but we don't know who Paul and Wilma is. The next day he got a phone call saying, oh, yeah, that's our parents. And, uh, and we've got more of the... Oh, really? In, uh, in back in the garage if you want more of it. So uh, they brought it, so we ended up putting out the whole display. Wilma did all of the figurines. Okay. It's all out of clay. And she also did um, the, uh, let me flip off the lights in we've there. Got a, we've got a whole town sitting over here with a general store, a saloon, uh, Wells Fargo Overland yeah. Stage building, a house, a barn. There's yeah. cowboy riding a bucking horse. There's a stagecoach with some horses. There's... There's what, probably 25 figurines here of At people. Least. And if you look inside the building, the general store, you're going to see she's got bottles, she's got hats, she's got, she put all everything inside. She furnished everything, the cantina. Wow. That, you look in the saloon, there's shot glasses, there's everything, you know, you've got the drunk falling out, you know, office chair, everything, you know, you've got the showgirls. It's, uh, I mean, they even have a, a, a sow nursing her piglets over there. Oh, really? So it's, it's, this is really a neat little right. deal here. Wow, how cool! So, <clears throat> we have a small indigenous uh, display here, and uh, one of my goals is to keep bringing in uh, different organizations. I'm working with the Chinese Cultural Center now to revamp their display, and uh, we'll see that a little bit later. And I'm, so, I'm also working, uh, stepping out, reaching out rather to the uh, Paspayaki and to the Tana Autumn Nation to try to make this and the Apache. Uh, people's all to, to try to make this a little bit more presentable than what it is. I've, I've only got what I inherited, which is right. a lot. Well, and you've got some really neat displays here. He's got uh, some different weavings that have all the different plants that they use for the coloring of their fabrics or their fibers in order to do the weavings. Uh, a map up here of the different uh, indigenous tribes and their regions. Uh, needle and thread. What are the round bones that are in there? What were those? those are those beads? Earrings? I, I believe they're just, they're just part of a necklace. Okay. Is, they've got some small uh, arrowheads. These rings are are probably an uh, inch and a half in diameter with a little bump on top. Of, I don't know. I'm with not sure what kind of bone they are. Right. I'm not either. With a hole in it. And that's why I want to bring them in to actually sit down and, you know, figure things out a little bit more detail. I'd like to learn from them. Right. Uh, that's the thing. So. And some really neat grindstones. Right. These are uh, not, not your normal uh, bowl-shaped grindstones. Right. There's some here that are, have These really are all been found shapes. on ranches uh, south of here. Uh, they're actually called matates. And then the, the grindstone that you hold is called a mano, which means hand. And, and So that's the hand part. And you grind mesquite beans or corn. In there, usually the mesquite beans, they made mesquite flour out of the mesquite beans. Oh, really? That was, Have you ever tried that? It's very good. It's very good. Yeah, I love mesquite bread. Oh, and muffins. I, I, I've never even heard of that. I'd, I'd be really interested in well, trying it. Well, you're here in Tucson. Uh, go down onto the uh, down by Santa Vera Mission. I think the co-op might be open. I'm not sure because of the COVID closures, right. whether they've reopened or not. But they've got several things, that, you know, baked items, too. And around town, just Google Mesquite, mesquite, you know, okay. I'm there, gonna so. have to try that, right? Because that it sounds is. really interesting. It is. It is uh, so, and then uh, a little bit of the music from back in the era, the the Victrolas that you crank up, and uh, and some of the old radios, and uh, 
we, we always tell students, uh, yeah, this is your MP3 players from back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit harder to carry around. Exactly, exactly. And then we have a Wells Fargo display oh, yeah. uh, with actual strong boxes and that. We've got the, uh, an actual Wells Fargo shotgun. It's, so when somebody yells shotgun, you know, when they want to go riding we'll shotgun, go ride shotgun, it's because of the shotgun that's there. It's a, it's a shorter 12-gauge. It's a coach gun. And so, um, and it was made for the sitting in the passenger seat, right? You sat and there protecting your, your driver cargo as you and were cargo, going. yes. Because the, the at, back in the day, Wells Fargo they used to carry lots of coin and, and that type of stuff for payrolls, right? And that's mm -hmm. why you always had stagecoach robberies or, or even just, train robberies, just like the this, same thing. The strong box, you know, right? With the, with the, they weren't carrying know, a little credit card, no, they were no, it was, no, it was hard, right. They didn't do electronic transfers back then. Right. And you've got a flag that looks right. like it's huge. It, it was, and it was on display on the north end of our uh, Adobe hangar at one time. It's 15 feet by 20 feet. Okay, and, and it's so all it's, folded it's up. folded up. And, and, and that size folded up in a triangle that's probably... Uh, what, about 18 high by uh, what, 36 I'll bet, I'll, bet it's, I'll bet it's probably 36 by 36. You yeah. can only see five stars. Right. So... Behind you, we've got a display of buckboards. Okay. Okay, we're just looking at the wall side. If you turn around, the first buckboard that we have here, that gray one, was actually used in several movies out at Old Tucson. And uh, the last time it was used in a movie was actually for a TV show for High Chaparral. Okay. And uh, what looks like dirt on there is what they call movie patina. They paint the dirt on there, and we're going to okay. see another stagecoach that's like that also, where they made it look dirty so they didn't have to keep throwing mud down and stuff. Okay. So. Now, when he was he, when he just referred to Old Tucson, mm -hmm. there's a place. Uh, is it in Saguaro National Park or, yeah, or Saguaro? It's, uh, it's just uh, south of Saguaro National Park. Okay, but it's, it, you kind of stay in the campground that's right there by yeah. there, and and it's an old west town right. that they have set up uh, with a, with with all kinds of old west type buildings, and right. a lot of things were filmed there. There was right. a lot of John Wayne movies filmed there. Mm -hmm. They did some. Uh, uh, little House on the Prairie stuff there, right. and they used to hold big festivals. From what I understand, it's not really up and running anymore. It isn't. Uh, it closed about a year, a little over a year ago, um, and it, they were going to announce by uh, June 1st of last year who the new management company was, and that hasn't come out yet. Um, they have repaved the parking lot and put new roofs on everything, but they haven't said who's done so, um, everything that was there is basically out of there now. It's just shells, you know, shell buildings that are there right now. And um, but we hope that it gets running again. It was it was built uh, for the movie set for the movie Arizona. Okay. Back in the in fact that uh, large uh, uh, freight wagon right there was actually used in the filming of okay. Arizona back in the day. And um, so, anyways. Uh, yeah, it, it was built for that. Then it kind of fell into disrepair. The Tucson Chamber of, Chamber of Junior Chamber of Commerce took it over, started fixing it up, and then uh, a gentleman by the name of Bob Shelton took it over and then made it into what it is today. Well, was up until it closed. Right. Uh, kind of a theme park, and they still did a lot of filming there. Uh, they had a massive fire there that burned down the uh, soundstage and about two-thirds of the... Uh, the old Tucson sets and uh, wardrobes and stuff like that, unfortunately, went with it. Right. And, uh, when I was out there, we, we went to a steampunk festival right, right, yes, a couple yes. of different times. Right. But they'd have guys falling off the top of, right. of two-story buildings. Yeah. And, yep. 
and all kinds of things. Yeah. It was just, it was really a lot of fun. I was sorry to hear that it was Yeah, closed. I think the, the last big film that was filmed out there was the Three Amigos. Oh, and okay. That, so is, and so that hotel is still up there where they, they're up there dancing. That. And then their subset is over uh, just uh, this side of Benson, and it's, the, uh, it's called Mescal. And okay. that was, that's where a lot of filming took place, too. And it's open right now uh, for tours at $10 a person to go oh, really? through that. And they give uh, guided tours. And so they've... The, that hasn't even come up on any of my searches of things to do in Tucson. They just recently, uh, September 1st, is what, uh, the first weekend in September, whenever that was, okay. was uh, uh, they finally opened it up to where it was safe enough to where general public could walk around because it was basically falling apart. And that the unique thing about it is that every building except for one of them is all movable. They're, oh. they're all so that they can rearrange their town. So uh, supposedly the quick and the dead and tombstone kind of overlapped a little bit, and they had to kind of rearrange for the two movies, you know. And so there was a each one had twelve hours to to film. Really? It. So it was, yeah, they've got all kinds of cool stories about that back there. I'll have to go check yes, that one out. Do since so. something new. It yeah. is. And so and a lot of the legends, the, a lot of the background actors that you see. You know, in all the old westerns, they hang out out there yet. You know, oh, still, still, they they call wow. them the legends, and they go out there on the weekends and just hang out. And they're what they call they call themselves streetscape. You okay. know, because they're dressed in character, <laughs> and it's really it's really fun. You know, to see. So, this is a really unique buggy. Yeah, it's an Amish buckboard, is what it is. And uh, so, again, you drive from the back. Oh, you dr- oh yeah. no! Isn't this interesting? Yeah. I thought that the driver sat in the front, and they put the no. ladies in the back. No. Yeah, <laughs> but so the the, the back's got the back's got a cover on it. Right, the front exactly. seat's wide open. Right, <laughs> huh? Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, as we come around, we've got a a little buggy. It's like a doctor's buggy, but it's got the convertible skis that you pop the wheels off and you slide those little uh, skis on there. And it, we call it our, your first original ATV. Right. And so that's kind of unique. Yeah, it's kind of like those mat tracks that they put right. on trucks now. Exactly. Except now it's got the it's got the skis. Now, I right. bet this was used a lot in Tucson. I see that you've got three or four sleds here. We use sleighs all the time here. Uh, I bet you do. <laughs> a little sarcasm it seems, there. It right. seems a little so, bit humorous to right. uh, see, right. see sleighs here in yeah, Tucson. Yeah, so we have three sleighs here. One of them is actually from, uh, from Michigan. It's for hauling lumber. And uh, it, they used to stack it really high, like 12 feet high with logs and that. And I could never figure out how they got the horse, you know, the two horses to pull it. And so one gentleman was coming through here who was uh, up there in years, and he goes, oh, I used to be a water boy for that. I'm like, okay, tell me what a water boy is. He's, well, along the forest roads, I used to, my brother and I used to get paid to, to dump water in the tracks of it, and it formed ice then. So then when the horses got the thing going, it once would... it was going, it was going, it was basically like ice skates on it because okay. there's metal runners on right. it that make it slide easier. And, and as long as you kept it in the tracks, the horses would still right. be able to get their exactly. traction. How cool is that? Yeah. I'd never, I never yeah. would have thought that. They were ingenious or back then. You know, we, we, we think about technology today. They thought of everything back in the day. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, well, there's they... so much that has converted from the 1800 buggies, just a basic buggy, to you know, today's automobile right. that's still being used. And it definitely brings to, to mind the thought, uh, necessity's the mother of invention. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, necessity. So you look at this freight wagon here. We're looking at about a five-foot-tall wheel least, here. At least, yeah. This is actually the front part. There's actually a trailer that's larger than this that we have over in another building because it okay. doesn't fit in here. Uh, and the wheels are over six feet tall. Really? So the front wheels are five feet tall. So 
you put two of these together, and if you th um, think back to like the borax, uh, right. We, we were just in yes. Death Valley and, right. and saw that train. So it, this is kind of like it, but this ran in southern Arizona here between the mines, holding okay. it from the door from the towns out to the railroad tracks. Do you know how many tons it would carry at a time? You know, I don't know right off the top of my head, but I think there's a plaque on the other side that okay. it goes into more The thing that, that I find interesting with these is the way that they hook these up, from what I understand, is they would always leave like a foot of slack in the chain. And so they'd get that first one rolling, yeah, and then it would jar yeah. that second one in, and yeah, then, it would, it then it would start moving forward, and, yeah. and that's the way that they were able to get them moving. And once they got them moving, they were able to keep them there. But getting them from dead stop, right. it was pretty rough on the horses. Well, and then you look at the, the blacksmithing. Everything is all blacksmith. It's not like they went to their right. local... You know, dealership and bought some stuff, and the the simplicity of opening up the back gate by just moving a ring, and oh. that opens up. You know, just it's kind of like the way tire chains. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm down here in Tucson again. Maybe you guys don't know how that works, but uh, the tire chains. I used have them to once, the not, but not in Arizona. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, wow. Uh, so it's just simplicity, you know, at its best. It's um, and that's so. As we move on through, we've got a small. It's this is a three-quarter scale prairie schooner that's actually on loan to us and uh, so the, sometimes the world's in a parade it hasn't for a while but it just kind of gives an idea of and a prairie schooner. schooner for those that aren't familiar or what everybody calls a covered wagon exactly so uh, we'll slide on this direction here for a second and then so this is from sunset oh. dairy this is actually a milk wagon i love this the thing. milkman actually stood up in there and you got to think back in the in the day, they didn't have refrigerators; they had ice right. boxes. Uh, one of the prizes for the first rodeo parade was a seventy-five pound block of ice. Was it really? Yes, and a hundred pounds of potatoes. I'll bet ice yes. was kind of. Where, where did you get your ice in uh, Tucson? You didn't until the railroad came in eighteen eighty. Okay, I was going to so, say because right. you guys don't have any ponds that freeze. Over. No, the closest we got is Mount Lemon. They'd okay. have to, you know, they'd have to um, bring it down, bring it from, down there. By, from wagon. Yeah. And the way that the the way that they used to do it, just I don't know if we've covered this in any other podcasts or anything, but uh, you used to have to put up ice, and then you'd put it in an ice house. And the right. ice house would right. usually have walls that were about fourteen inches thick, mm -hmm. stuffed with sawdust. The floor right. was stuffed with sawdust. The top was stuffed with sawdust, and then they'd pack that thing full of ice, and it would keep for. Mm -hmm. Well, in the northern states, it would keep all summer long, and then you'd be yeah. out with your ice saw out on right. the lake cutting blocks of ice again to put up for the for the summer. Yeah, and uh, it was it was really quite the quite the right. deal. And so down here, where it's 115 degrees in the summertime, 110, 115. Right. Yeah, we didn't have some, we didn't have ice in the summertime. No ice. Okay, in the summertime. Um, we had an ice house where, and that was later on when they would actually bring ice in with the railroad. And there was a gentleman who had uh, started producing ice prior to the train coming like in the 1870s but really you know it was more for snob hollow okay you know for the people down there it wasn't for the general basically you harvested your meat the day you oh you, yeah you ate it the day you harvested it right and so but same thing with the milk you had to deliver you know basically the day you know that uh and so we've got a lot of the, the you glass probably milk drank cans. a lot of warm milk probably because you wouldn't have been able to right. cool it down even right so. Did they use did they use much in the way of uh, underground cooling? Uh, no, you know, believe it or spring not, spring houses or anything like that. No, we don't have spring houses. Okay. Yeah, my well, I have a well where I live, and uh, my water table is like about three hundred and fifty feet. Okay. My well is five hundred feet. That's deep, a long way to spring. Yeah, it's a long way to spring. I mean, there's springs up in the mountains and that, but not right in town here. Okay. That, so, 
But uh, yeah, we're looking at a wall here that uh, this is a collection of charro, which is Mexican rodeo. Okay. Uh, uh, that was at the University of Arizona College of, uh, or the, was it the School of Photography had it. And, um, There's some neat pictures here. Center for here. Creative Photography. Yeah, and it really shows the Mexican culture at its best and how different their rodeo is compared to ours. Uh, you know, a lot of the trick roping that they do, uh, you know, the dances, the, the women play a major part in the rodeo, not just uh, barrel racing. You know, there's, there's, right. there's a, lot, a lot of different events that take place. And that the women actually have their own quadrille team. Uh, you know, the you know riding bulls is different. They, you know, they turn loose, jump on the thing. Uh, again, you know, chasing the uh, wild horses, trying to lasso wild horses, and that. So this this diorama here basically shows off a lot of uh, history. You know, from the Mexican culture down here. I love watching the, some of the Mexican rodeo stuff. That's the right. reason I was asking yes. you if it, if it happened yeah. here on, on YouTube. That yeah. smoking glove event. Right, Have you exactly. ever seen that? Yeah, Those where guys they take are off. holding a glove and, right. and the rope's running through their, their glove, glove and the smoke's just pouring out like somebody burning rubber on the street. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, there was one of those that I saw and the guy didn't have any fingers when, right. was, when the yeah. rope got through smoke and it yeah. was, it was just like, whoa. Yeah, and then they also have, they have not only, like we have the, the calf roping, Right. And that are the team roping. They have uh, what they call, is it steer tripping or, or calf tripping? So they not only have to lasso it, but then they have to put another loop down, and it actually trips. Oh, really? It, it grabs the legs of the, the calf or steer, right. and it falls over. So it's a double kind of wow. you know, more challenging event. I'm going to have to check out that yeah. one on YouTube because so, I haven't seen that event yet. Right. We've got a beer wagon that uh, is on loan to us also, and... Uh, it's for sale. The only problem with this beer wagon is that it's empty. There's no beer in it. <laughs> what good's it? <laughs> I know, I know. It's good to look at. So we have three circus wagons here. One of them's a calliope. We have another small one that was used, but we think with children, uh, maybe dressed as clowns that uh -huh. came out. And then this one here that's now converted into a ticket wagon. Pre-internet, they would take this wagon and haul it down town and then sell tickets to the rodeo okay and then it, they took it out to Elcon Mall and use it for that of course with the internet now you just go online to right. TucsonRodeoParade.org and order your now tickets. Now this ticket wagons like like what you would normally think of a freight wagon that's got a total box around it right. with a small door to get in and it's got some really neat rodeo paintings. Right. A, a this clown is, in, a, in a barrel with a bull on the side of it and a, a guy riding a bull. And this is what it looked like when it got donated to us and oh, uh, wow. so um, yeah, this, uh, Mrs. Thompson comes through every now and then once a year to check on her wagon. These were deserted, actually, on uh, or abandoned on her dad's ranch uh, back in the day. It was kind of a circus that kind of went belly up, okay. and they just left them out there. And really? So um, they were very... The Calliope, too? The Calliope, too, and it was all pretty well taken over by pack rats and that so the parade committee made it look like a calliope they took out the original calliope oh. made it look because it was it was, you know, it was, it was all rust yeah, and rust and corroded out so but it's it was a nice little show uh, wagon to run in the thing and actually i have an mp3 player that usually is playing i was going to say I'm a, I'm a little bit disappointed i was uh, hoping that you'd get up there and play the calliope uh, for me. you know it's, it's actually got a keyboard in there and then it's got a cassette deck in there if you peek up in there oh yeah it's oh, got yeah. a cassette deck where they used to actually play with amp you know with the speaker they is underneath what uh, looks like the uh, st um, smokestack up there for the steam and that it was actually uh um, you know, there's a big speaker up in there that could play calliope music and that. So it looked wow. like the guy was playing. But I have, I went upgraded to MP3 players. I just don't have it <laughs> playing today. 
Okay. Normally when we're open, it's playing. Wow. Yeah, the calliope is an interesting instrument. I've always, it is. I've always been fascinated by them. I was able to, uh, I was on a riverboat. Actually, I took three riverboats up. Uh, they're all part of the Delta Queen series. And okay. it was, uh, I was on the Delta Queen, the Mississippi Queen, and the American Queen, which is this big, massive boat. Had a chance to play a calliope on each one of those. And they were all weird to play because there's such a delay you push the key but then you have to wait for the steam to do to, to hit the to whistle to hit the whistle of that and they have to burp it before they start and that's oh, what they, really? call they have to lean on all of the keys with their arm straight across and it has to pump all of the air out and then once they start hearing all of the whistles line you know firing uh -huh. up then they take their arms off and now they have to quickly be able to play it as long as there's steam there you know so but anyway wow i never realized that they were that complicated of a, a device I just thought, yeah. yeah so that is so interesting we here we're restoring actually andy and uh bill here that we see you're lucky to catch them they're in the process of restoring this park drag and uh i don't know if you want to talk to them a little about what goes into restoration of these at all you guys want to talk a little bit about restoration well, you can show you the pictures of what it looked like before we started <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. uh, but yeah. yeah if you guys i'd be interested in seeing the pictures but uh, if you guys want to talk a little bit about the restoration, let me take a, the little microphone off of him. And we're, we're not talkers. Well, <laughs> how about how about for just a minute? So you you got this uh, this buggy in a pretty dilapidated state, or? Well, they'd been working on it a number of times. Um, Trying to find a good old picture here from it. They purchased it in 1942 from the. Year Michigan. Okay. And, and so we think it's probably connected with the Ford family. Oh. The, the coach was made in 1835 in England. Really? Birmingham, England, and we found the stampings on the axle, on the metal on the axle. So they so, had to have brought that over by ship? Yes. Wow. And the park drags were used primarily exclusively by the rich okay. families. And they used it to go to picnics or to go to the horse races or whatever, but it was primarily used most of the time in the back. They had it for a picnic basket. There were some of them that were exclusive. They actually had wine racks with wine glasses hanging in it. Wow. So, and they called it a park drag? Park drag. Okay, and, and so it was for going to park on Sunday afternoon and having your picnic. Correct. And they usually drove them with a four horses. Oh, really? Hand. They did a four horse team? Yes. Wow. This is kind of what it looked like okay, when and they it, originally and it looks, got it, it. It looks like you have your driver sitting up front in the exposed yeah. air, and then you can yeah. put the family inside of the enclosed inside, part in the back. But there was also then three seats also up on top, up on top in the back that they could go. So they could have like 12 or 14 people could ride on one of those. It looks kind of like a miniature stagecoach in it, some yes. ways. Although most of the stagecoaches, you know, they didn't always ride in the inside. Right. Uh, some of them, they didn't always have all the seats on top either like that, the extra seats. Right. And does this one have the, the leather springs? Uh, uh, for this the... does not have the leather springs. It's got very heavy-duty uh, metal springs. Uh, on it. Okay. So, we'll so, so the body doesn't. So the body doesn't sit in that it, in no, that leather we'll cradle. Stage here you can kind of see a little bit of the spring on this picture here. Okay. You can see that's where we sanded it down. The different colors that it's been over the years. It's been green and yellow and, and brown and, and brown and yeah. yeah. So, wow. So that's pretty cool. So, we'll uh, see the sister when we get into another barn. You're going to see one just like this. That's all restored. Yes. Cool. So, let's see here, but it's uh, the seats are totally done. Trying to find 
uh, where we started, I had a picture of the door. The doors had holes in them. Like for handles or for uh, no, bullets? No, uh, no, it was a, a big hole somebody put in it. Oh, really? Yeah. So. By mistake. Okay. So, so, <laughs> I think Stan put the hole in there <laughs> no, I so I could have something to do. <laughs> huh. Well, it looks like you have a lot of work looking at these pictures. Well, I take a lot of pictures on the restoring it because we take it totally apart. Right. Almost every piece is off, and I want to know how to get it back on. That's probably a good way <laughs> so, to do so, it. So. Oh, good. It got in a hurry going through, so I missed the one with the hole in it. So. Well, that's okay. So, uh, but even like a brass trim, like if you take a look at the door the brass trim on the door over there, it was painted over also. I yeah, took you it home. see the brass on it. I took it home, stripped all of the paint. I think it had three different layers of uh, different color paint. The last one was black on there and was able to get it off. And then I put it on a buffing wheel and uh, sprayed it with clear lacquer so it stays looking nice and pretty in brass on the doors now. Wow. A lot of Careful work. on the black. We just painted all this black stuff, so it might be a little bit damp. So. Wow. How, how come I can't find a picture, Stan? Uh, because you lost it? No, because you're looking for it. <laughs> and, and you know it's going to be the last oh, one you look for. Here it is. There it is. Oh, man. Yeah, it looks like somebody put a hammer through it. Yeah, well, there's it is. Right there, far on the far side, there is that door now. Okay. The brown on there, that's where the hole was here. That had to have been fun to patch in there. Uh, yeah, well, it's a whole new board on there. Oh, you put a whole new veneer? Yeah, a whole, whole new veneer Okay, on it. okay. So, that makes sense. So how long have you been doing the restoration on these things? We've been working on this base for a little over two years. Really? But it's I'm part-time. I'm from Minnesota. Okay. I come down here. Bill is from That's a Michigan. long ways to drive to work. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it's, uh, I can't snowboard come down here, so I kind of uh, gets me out of the wife's hair. Right. I come over here during the morning. She probably so I, appreciates that. Well, yeah, but she doesn't appreciate not having a vehicle. So oh. we've negotiated. <laughs> I get it in the morning. She gets it in the afternoon. Okay. <laughs> so. Well. It's a, it's a fun piece to work at, like when you can find it, find on the axles where it came from 1835 out of Birmingham, England. And we researched on Google. Right. And there actually was the company in Birmingham, England. They did make coaches. Wow. It doesn't have quite the history of, like, the Brewster coaches. I don't know if Stan's talked about no, any of those. We haven't got there yet. But they've got the real history because each piece on a Brewster has a serial number. Really? So, well, not necessarily every piece, but a big majority of the pieces all have it on there. So. Okay. So. That's in our last building. That we'll do. Well, <laughs> hey, thank you very much. I no appreciate you, you talking, even though you said you don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, and before we leave and go to the next building, building three of, of the four, oh, you might notice a Cisco Kid horse trailer here okay. uh, from Duncan Ronaldo. About a month ago, I got this phone call, kind of interesting. It says, hi. I understand you have my dad's horse trailer. Well, I'm thinking rodeo stuff. I'm like, well, uh, you might want to contact the rodeo committee. He goes, no, no, it's supposed to be in your museum. I went, okay, uh, the only one I could think of was this. And I says, who am I speaking with? He goes, Richard Ronaldo. And I'm like, <laughs> related to Duncan? He goes, yeah, that was my dad. That's why I say, you got my dad's horse trailers yet? I'm like, sure do. He goes, I'm coming in from California. I'm going to try to meet you, you know, sometime around 3.30 today, and it ended up being a little bit later because of the delay. But, you know, uh, he ended up spending about 
two hours, you know, talking about you know life and times of his dad. And wow. so that was really cool. And then he came back the next day. He and his wife came back the next day and you know spent another couple hours with us talking about that. And he's actually got another trailer similar to this with a matching 1960 Chrysler Imperial. Oh, really? With an oval steering wheel that was custom built for him. And he's uh, was looking to see if there was a place in here that he could uh, donate it, you know, to match. Did, did you find a place to move? We're, we're trying to, we're working on, he's coming down for the parade, and we're going to be talking a little bit more. We're, wow. we're trying to figure out. How cool how, is that? And so usually we try to stay away from motorized because we are a non-motorized parade. And as you can see, everything is spoke wheels. We don't have anything with, like, you'll right. see like a hay, hay ride kind of wagon. Right. Uh, flatbed. So anyways, um, yeah, so the other horse trailer that's like this, Actually, one part is for his horse Diablo, which it found out, or Diablo Two, I think is what he called it. Um, that horse actually didn't like to ride forwards; would only back into the horse trailer and would always look out and like to look oh, really? So, which is kind of interesting. And then the other half of the horse trailer was actually his dressing room and wardrobe okay. up near the front. So, as he, since he was no longer making television shows and movies, he went on a certain, you know, did appearances all over. And uh, so that's, that's and we're looking at kind of a teal blue, I would say, right, right. Uh, two horse trailer. It looks pretty much just like any two horse trailer, other than it's got Duncan Ronaldo, the Cisco <coughs> kid, and his mm -hmm. movie horse Diablo, yeah. and a picture of him and Diablo. Uh, the saddle, I'm assuming, is, this is it, his. It comes it's out his. of a little saddle rack in the right. front. And actually, what was interesting is I posted a picture on Facebook with you know uh -huh. uh, Richard and I standing in front of this horse trailer, and. A couple days later, I get a phone call from a lady. She goes, hey, I painted that. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh, really? She goes, yeah. And she told me her name. And she goes, yeah, I'm you know, uh, Dana Regas, and I, I, I painted it. Can I come down and take a picture of it? I'm like, sure, come on down and tell me some more stories. Yeah, you know? no doubt. And That's got to be so much fun yeah. being a curator and having somebody come back to one of your pieces yeah. and, and giving you the history of it. You know, history is really odd, though, because I had a cameraman that came in about three or four years ago. And he goes, oh, no, not the Cisco kid. He goes, I worked over in L.A. You know, filming TV shows and movies. We hated to do the Cisco kid because he was like 4 feet 11. We had to bend over all the time, and, <laughs> and our backs ached and that. So I asked Richard, I said, so how small was your dad? He goes, he was 5 feet 7. I went, wait a minute, okay, now, somebody's not, somebody's not, he goes, and, and Richard's almost 6 feet tall. He goes, right. yeah, yeah he's, I almost look, could look eye-to-eye -eye with my dad. And then my dad had lifts in his boots also. Uh, okay, so this camera guy who's claiming to be a cameraman, so, so this, uh, I was up in Canada, and this uh, old First Peoples gentleman, I was in a museum, and I was asking about something, and somebody started questioning him on it, and he had the perfect response to this person that was nagging him about what he was saying wasn't true about his own people, and he says, you know, we all have two eyes, we have lenses in those eyes, and we all see differently between you know through those lenses right so no two people see the same thing identically alike so thank you for you know giving me what you see through your lenses i'm telling you what i see through mine and he turns and walks away i went yeah There's that's the a answer. polite way and it's true because we had wyatt earp in here he was actually the great grand nephew of wyatt earp okay okay last november talking about and his uh wife who's now passed put together a docudrama one man docudrama and it's all about the life of, in times of Wyatt Earp. Well, when it comes down to the O.K. Corral, there's three different stories from the three Earp brothers because the mother, their mother insisted that as they traveled that every week they sent home a letter about what, you know, their adventures because they didn't always right. hang together. 
And as so Morgan, Virgil, and Wyatt all send letters home to mom about the shootout at the OK Corral. And he goes, every one of those letters, all three of those letters, you'd swear they were in a different town, under different circumstances, and different people were there. Wow. And these are, these are three brothers, you know, with different impressions. So what is history? Right. History is only what you see through your eyes, you know, and I see through mine. So it's, you know. It is interesting. It is. And then you and then you have I shouldn't even say this, but then you have the people that intentionally warp it right. to, meet, yeah. to to their to their, to their agenda. Intent, to, right. to their so. agenda. Okay, we're gonna walk um, over to another barn here quickly. Okay. And we're gonna walk across the courtyard here. And we're walking across the courtyard with a fence that's probably twenty feet tall, made with uh, uh, log slabs, right. like from a log mill. Right, and they came from uh, on top of Mount Lemmon. That's, we call it our stockade. And what it originally represents is uh, when Tucson started in 1775, uh, the Presidio or fort was moved from Tubac uh, all the way up here to Tucson uh, to the Presidio that's downtown right now. And uh, slabs of uh, wood was actually resembling the Presidio Wall back in 1775 when the Spaniards came here. Uh, they were directed by King Charles III okay. to move the fort from Tubac up to Tucson. Back then it was called Chukson, which okay. means base of the Black Mountain by the Tonatan. And so when they got up here to the little mission, the father says, well, you need to move across the river and up on the hill, and that's where you're going to set up your fort. So they, they harvested all of the uh, cottonwood trees, put them up there, and they were basically, the fort was designed to protect the Atam from the Apache raids. Okay. And so what they did was they had a problem with the stockade. And as you could see, there was gaps in the wood. And so the Apache could shoot between the logs. So then they started building an adobe wall around the Presidio. Okay. That, that's another interesting place you may want to visit downtown. The Presidio. So, the Presidio. Okay. So. Okay, so we just walked into this, this other building. Right. And this one's full of, uh, instead of being passenger carriages and stuff, this one looks like it's mostly uh, freight wagons, chuck wagons, and that type right. of stuff. Yeah, so we've got everything from a, this low boy right here was by the Tucson Gas Electric and Light and Power Company. Okay. And the reason why it's built so low is so that they could load gas pipes onto it easily uh, or power poles onto it without having to lift them so high. Okay. Uh, it's got the uh, steel wheels with steel spokes so the, the spokes wouldn't break. Um, and wow. so And yes. it's probably, what, 15 foot long? Right, by about four wide. That, yeah. It's almost a, the same size as a farm wagon. And all the farm wagons are basically the same width. The undercarriage um, has something. It's got the front wheels and the back wheels, those parts of it. But then they've got this long, it's like a 3 by 3 or 4 by 4 reach that goes yeah. where they can adjust the size of the, for, the, for the box. And that so these are all rolling in the parade um, that was here. Yep. These are these are all farm wagons along here, and then uh, everything on your right here. If you heard of Linda Ronstadt, her grandfather Fred Ronstadt was a wagon builder here in Tucson. Oh, really? And he didn't mass produce like Studebaker. He would, you know, if you wanted a wagon, you'd come to me and say, "Hi, I need a wagon." And I'd say, "Well, who's going to be using it?" And you'd say, "Well, it's going to be she's going to be using it, you know, more than me." So Fred Ramsey would say, you stay here, we're going to talk, okay? And you'd talk to the person that was actually driving it. All I want from you is your money. Right. But I'm talking to the driver. Okay. okay. And so everything is custom built accordingly. And how many you know. of his wagons do you have here? Uh, we've got 
six, five. We've got five in five here. Five of them. We've got five of them in here. Wow. So, and how many, did he build lots and lots of wagons? He built, at one time, he was the largest custom wagon builder west of the Mississippi. Really? Did yeah. he have a lot of employees? Or? He had, had a three-story building downtown. Oh, really? And when I was a little kid, I remember Ron Stats was a place to go. It was like the hardware store to go if you needed, like my dad needed a special part for his well. Right. Okay. So we went to Ronstadt's because they were the only ones that had it. Okay. But I remember going upstairs, uh, and I can't remember why, but on the very top floor, I just, I just remember smelling like very musty, like leather and stuff. But he had wagon wheels all over the wall. He had shafts. He had tongues, wagon parts that still there was ranchers that were still using wagons. And they could go there and buy a spare wheel if they needed it. Really? So, and that, I'm talking about the 1960s, early 1960s. Wow. So this is like your semi. This one here, this was built by Albert Steinfeld, for Albert Steinfeld, rather. Um, and this is basically used to, to haul a lot of goods to possibly Nogales or to Benson or, you know, outlying areas. That's your semi truck from back in the day. And this, is, this one's all made of oak, it looks like. Yes. Uh, very nice looking wagon. It's got uh, benches going right down the middle so you can put people on both sides. Yeah. I guess that's probably an add-on for the parade. We've had, that's why the same thing with all of our farm wagons. They have bench seats, you know, basically okay. a board across. And that's so that we can rent them for the, wag for the parade. Okay. All, all of these will roll in the parade. Okay, and, and so when you rent these, you rent it to like the 4-H club or something yeah, like that? Yeah, like, like this one here is float. Boot Barn. You can see Boot okay, Barn is boot on this barns. one. They, yep. they brought stuff in already. Okay. And they'll start having names, the Podorosa radio okay. station. I was wondering yeah, what so, that was because yeah. one of them was a church wagon. Right, exactly. Going, it doesn't exactly. look like something you'd haul people to church in. But. Well, no, they rented it and they're going to decorate it. Okay, so, got yeah. it. And that wow. this here is a, a cedar. And this is kind of unique too because uh, it's you know you filled the bin. We're looking at a big international harvester uh, bin here with a McCormick cedar attached to it. So what happens? You filled it up with the seed. There's a chain drive that hooks to the back wheel here. Okay. That drives then this mechanism that then spins the cedar around and feeds the seed and spreads the seed. Spreads the seed without it. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a big wagon uh, fertil fertilizer spreader that you run in your yard. Right. Yeah. It throws the little grass seeds out or the fertilizer over right, your yard. Yeah. It's, it's it's just a lot bigger. This is more for like that. for like wheat where you don't right. have to worry about rows. You, uh -huh. just, you just seed it more for like grass and things like that. We did have that manure spreader. We got a little off on the, the park drag talking about the restoration right. back then. You know, but there was a manure spreader there and a, and a corn binder that we have in there. There was also, also a chuck wagon a that chuck was wagon. all set up that we yes. stepped over. Yeah, that, uh, that's on loan to us, and that, is, that actually still runs on... Uh, he, he uses that for cattle drives still. Oh, does yeah, he? Yeah, prior to COVID, wow. he was out running three or four cattle drives a year. Okay. It's got everything, including a shaving mug. I was going to say, yeah, those yeah. chuck wagons were pretty amazing yeah. pieces of equipment and, and so crucial to the cattle right, drives. Right, exactly. So, these are your little runabout, little hacks that okay. you have. Um, you got one of the old hose wagons for the right. fire department. The hose reel. Uh, yeah, we've got hand, a, hand pulled. Right, we actually have two hose reels. The very first fire uh, wagon is not here right now. It's being serviced because of... Tucson Fire Department actually pulls these through the parade. Oh, do and that, they? And the fire, the fire wagon, they usually have like a chief on it or whatever, and they're all dressed in the old style oh, fireman's really? costumes too. The old leather helmets the, and the, all? The, the good old sights, yes. Wow. So, and uh, that's our grease wagon. That's uh, getting ready to be pulled out of here pretty soon. It's uh, got all of the wrenches on the side. It's got, uh, and another thing is that when you build wagons back in the day, or they built them back in the day, they didn't use 
custom, I mean, you couldn't just go and buy your nuts, you know, the wheel nuts and stuff like that. Every wagon maker wanted to have proprietary nuts and bolts in that. So you can't say, oh, I just lost a bolt out of this little Surrey. I'm going to run down to Ace and get a, or wherever, and get a quarter 20 bolt. No, it might be a quarter inch bolt, but it might, you know, the pitch might be, you know, they might have only 18 threads per inch, or maybe it's 24 threads per inch. Nothing was standardized so that you had to go back to the wagon maker to buy the, the well, and I'm sure parts. a lot. I'm sure a lot of the bits and pieces were all custom made right. at the blacksmith shop right there at the at the foundry. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then if if you notice, there's a whole bunch of different wrenches, and a lot of those wrenches are custom built right. because the original wrenches have been lost. So you've got like tubular steel where you have to still stick shims in there to make it fit enough to to make wow. it work. And now you take that along with you for in case a wagon breaks down no, on the parade? Or? No, this is just used for servicing the wagons in here. In here. They just okay. got done going through here and, and servicing wow, all these wagons. look at these ones. Yeah, so we've got some Surreys. Uh, we've got a uh, delivery wagon. We've got a uh, railroad delivery wagon out of Nogales. Uh, we have a Teamster wagon there. Uh, a couple of Surreys here. There's a wagonette. Uh, this one here looks really nice because it's relatively new. We got it in 2019. One of our members had passed away, left money towards purchasing a new uh, you know, carriage for the parade. And this one even has, uh, this one's street uh, legal. And uh, so it, it's got hydraulic brakes and it also has brake lights in the back. So you put a 12 volt battery back. Right. So you can run it at night if you wanted to. And this one's got velvet seats. I mean, velvet it's, it, seats. it's beautiful. It's, and it's, it's one of those ones that. Yeah, and it's all built from Amish parts. So the, what happens is with this, it's a husband and wife team that build these. She sketches out her design, then they jump in their uh, dually and with a big fifth wheel flatbed on the back, and then they head back east and they pick up parts you know, at the different Amish communities, and then they bring it back to Washington, the state of Washington, and then they assemble it. Okay. And, you know, so paint it and assemble it. Wow. So it is beautiful. That but is. then right next to it, we've got this other one here. This is actually a Colorado sightseer that was used to actually haul people, this is your tour bus, you might say, right. for up in the Rocky Mountains. It was used up in the Rocky Mountain uh, National Park. And uh, they would actually give like two and three day tours. So you'd throw your bedroll underneath there and you just traveled you know, during the summertime. Yeah, I wasn't very good at winter, I don't think. Well, you know? no, <laughs> yeah. the wind did blow right through the open yeah, exactly. sides. Exactly, it's very open. It's like the Oklahoma Surrey, but with uh, extra seats and it's jacked up a little bit higher with you know, better suspension. So wow. we're now we're into the park drag or the tally hole or the, you know, like we we're looking at over there um, that is being restored. So this is its sister. So okay. when that one over there gets done, it's going to look like this. And this one's painted yellow and blue. Again, it has the seats up on top. It's got, it, it, it looks a lot like a squared off stagecoach. It the does. Stagecoaches were round, but this right. one here's a lot more boxy or square. Right. Uh, it's got seats on top of where the passengers would, would right. the, the high dollar passengers well, would the ride. Well, the gentlemen and the kids rode on top and the women rode, rode inside. inside. And yeah. you, could, you could fit six to eight women inside. Wow. It's, so. a, it's just a really neat looking yeah. Uh, hey, coach. Yeah, and you, you talked about the backside, you know, with the, the you know, I, I mentioned about sometimes it's an ice box, sometimes there's a wine cooler in right. that, you know, with the wine racks. And then the front here is where you had drawers. You can see oh, where yeah. the drawers would go in there. That would slide out for, you know, other items that you want to take on your picnic. Yeah, just so, load it up. Yeah. I mean, you could load up half the, half the church on a exactly. Sunday drive and, <laughs> exactly. and go have a picnic in yeah. the park. How so, cool is that? 
And behind you, we've got the uh, city of Tucson jail wagon. Is it, that now? Is that an original? It's an original. What it, it originally was, uh, or originally started, was to haul uh, prisoners from the Yuma Territorial Prison. Okay. To the brand new Florence Prison, which is old and dilapidated nowadays. Okay. Okay. But uh, it was used for that, and they they transported the prisoners in the middle of summertime. Okay. Okay. So going across Gila Bend when it's 115, 120 degrees outside. The first night they actually handcuffed the prisoners to the the, the wheel. wheels, not to the spokes, but to the metal right. part of it. Okay. So they couldn't escape. They couldn't saw through right. with their handcuffs. So if you can imagine having six guys tied to each of the four wheels, you know, it had to have been comfortable sleeping arrangements. Yeah. Well, it really, really. Probably, well, the first night wasn't too good. After the first night, they no longer handcuffed and they no longer shackled the, the prisoners. And the reason for that, now you're out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And where are you going to escape to? It's suicide. Okay. Right. Where if you stayed with the jail wagon, there was a water wagon and a chuck wagon that was also traveling with you. So you had food and water. And uh, so it wasn't until you started getting close to the Florence you know, town where they started shackling you back up again. And I also noticed that it's painted a nice flat black for yes. your riding uh, temperature comfort yes, in that it, 115 it, it, degrees. It really helps absorb in the heat, uh, as the sun, to, to keep you nice and warm. <laughs> the, again, sort of like our museum, the, the summertime provides us a very good heater. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and then eventually the city of Tucson acquired it, and it was their uh, jail wagon that they used here. And so it still rolls. We've got on this side, we have mud wagons. Okay, uh, tell me about mud wagons. A mud wagon is different than what you would see like with the Wells Fargo coach. Notice that they're very open. Okay. They don't have doors on like the tally-ho does. It's right. not closed. reason for that is when it's hot outside, you don't want to be enclosed inside, plus with all the dust inside. Um, it was always open. In fact, even the Butterfield would switch when they got from Texas, started coming this direction. They'd switch to mud wagons from... The Conesto, or no, I'm sorry, the Concord style, like right. the Wells Fargo coaches, because it's too hot inside and it's too dusty inside. So this way, the air could flow through. They got their name Mudwagon because if they did go through anything that was wet, you know, mud would hook onto the you know wheels. the wheels and fling it up and into the people that were riding in the okay. in the wagon. So um, that one went between uh, Reno, Nevada, and Elk um, and Pyramid, Nevada. It ran a, a mail route and stage line for that. And uh, so this one here was in over 40 movies at Old Tucson. We talked about movie patina with that buckboard. Right. And this one here, what looks dirty, is all painted on there. Uh, it, this, now, these mud wagons are the ones we talked about, the suspension. You asked about the leather straps. Right, the, right. So you can see there the, on the tally-ho, the big metal, right, the, you know, big oversized. It almost looks, looks like it belongs on a semi the leaf springs. Where here we do have, this one has been restored and when they restored it, they used conveyor belt instead of leather okay. straps. Okay. Um, it probably is a little bit more durable in the long Probably, run. but then again, you take this one, you know. This, and that one's got the leather. It's got the original leather from the 1800s on it. Wow. And the idea with these, uh, having the leather straps is as they were going along the sides of hills, the philosophy was that by it rolling or moving just forwards and backwards and not side to side, they wouldn't fall over the cliff. Okay. Okay. It kept you going almost like a gyroscope going forwards and backwards, everybody okay. riding. Okay. And it's actually a fairly smooth riding vehicle. Uh, it's a big rocking chair, you know, a family-sized rocking chair on leather straps. And right. It, and it's just held on with a couple couple U-bolts. You can see this. Right. There's a U-bolt there and a U-bolt there. It's a big rocking chair. That is so cool. 
back again to to some of the ways that they thought to overcome some of the problems that they had. It was just yes. ingenious. Right. We talked about the Buffalo Soldiers over in the right. other room. This is the truck wagon that was used at Camp Little. It went between Camp Little and Fort Tuchuka, um for the Buffalo Soldiers. It was and if anybody doesn't understand what Buffalo Soldiers were, they had segregated military, and right. you had your your white soldiers, and you had your black right. soldiers, and the black soldiers were referred to as Buffalo Soldiers. Right. They they were after the Civil War. Um, they fought, you know, for the Union. Um, Basically, but they they were they were their own. In, they had several units of infantry and also cavalry. So, um, uh, so they were their own unit. They got their term "buffalo soldier" from the native people. Said so they did with their curly hair, they looked like buffaloes, and that's where, and they hung on to that name. It wasn't derogatory. In fact, when we had the buffalo soldiers here a couple I was days say ago, they, they, they use it with pride. They, they, it's a big pride thing for them. They're proud of being known as a buffalo soldier. It, 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 it's their identity. Right. In that. So if you can see here, it still has some of the army green underneath it. Right. But again, the movies came along and painted it a brown because they thought it looked better. So for their movie, these are like your city buses here. Uh huh. Uh, your public conveyance. They're just small little. Um, Wagons is what they are to carry people, little wagonettes. You can tell that it's designed for city because it has rubber tires instead of the metal, flat right. metal tires on it. And Tucson at one time had a city ordinance that said between 9 p.m. and 7 a.m. you could not ride a buggy through downtown Tucson or a wagon through downtown Tucson with metal tires because it made too much noise. And they highly encouraged that you have rubber boots on your horses, too, so they don't make so much noise in between the buildings. Really? Yeah, the hotels lobbied for that. So Now, he said that these are smaller wagons. They're actually fairly good-sized. Uh, they they yeah. probably hauled the, the smaller one here would probably haul, what, six passengers? Exactly. And yeah. the other one would haul nine. Yeah. So and it's not like a doctor's buggy, smaller right. buggy. These, they're about these 10 are feet size. tall. With the, the, the top of the canopy is about 10 feet tall. In fact, the seats are probably, what, four and a half? Feet, maybe five yeah. feet off, five feet off the ground. You had to climb up into them. It wasn't like you're climbing into a limousine. And the thing, the thing that's kind of another interesting point that I've noticed is, you have your old buggies from the early 1800s, mm -hmm. and two people could probably sit in those comfortably in 1850, right. 1890. Now you'd be hard pressed to get two people <laughs> to be able to sit in those buggies because the seats right. are only you know three right. foot wide or so. And two normal-sized people nowadays right. just can't do it. It's not comfortable. Yeah, people aren't as petite as they were back then. <clears throat> this is the garbage truck that I was telling you about that okay. you know, had to be hauled. It's actually a belly dump or wagon that came out of south of Tucson down here, uh, south of Patagonia, which is a town about an hour south of here. And uh, it's, it's unique because it is a belly dump. You think of that as modern dump trucks right. now. Uh, what we mean by belly dump is that it's actually it has a closed bottom, but the driver can pull a lever that releases these chains, and the bottom opens up and just dumps everything out the belly. And then he can sit here with this other lever and start ratcheting, and as he ratchets, the chains tighten up and roll back up onto the spindles again, and it closes back up again. He goes gets another load of ore, comes back over, pulls the lever, and dumps it out dumps the belly. Yeah, just like the modern-day belly dump trucks exactly. that you see working on the highway or, or whatever yes. else. I did not realize that they had belly dumps back in, in those periods of time. That's just a fascinating, fascinating yeah. piece of uh, machinery here. So the city of Tucson actually acquired this then they, from 
the mining communities as copper was kind of dwindling down, moving more towards the large open pits and that. So the early 1900s, they um, acquired this and uh, used this to pick up garbage through downtown Tucson. They just, and the dump was actually right where Congress and Interstate 10 is right now, okay. downtown. So and that was the big, I remember as a kid driving through there and seeing sparkly, you know, oh, it, was, wow. it was the glass that was broke there, but it was, right. the ground was always all sparkly there. And that so, but yeah, and then it just uh, they left it there. And uh, being the scavengers that our parade committee is, uh, we acquired it before my time. They went and they acquired it, and there was two of them, and they ended up making one wagon out of two, and then still having to add some wood to it to right. restore it. That's that's really interesting piece. I've never it is. I've never seen one of those anywhere. If you get down to Tombstone, okay, and go to the Tufnut Mine. Uh, down there, they have one that's parked there. It's, it's really in dilapidated shape, but it's it's probably the sister of this one. Okay, from back down there in that territory. Okay, and uh, so you've got the behind you this big uh, freight wagon. It was actually driven by women, so you had the Conestoga wagons more farther north, you know, along the Oregon Trail. Right. And these were more used for down south. That in fact, probably on the Oregon Trail, they used these also. They're just bigger and beefier, beefier than the Conestogas. The Conestogas had a curved bottom to it so that they could pop off the wheels and float them down a river. Okay. okay. These, I did, was not aware of yeah, that fact either. These, you don't, you know, you probably couldn't. But if you take a look at this cross member, you talk about doing repairs out on the road. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is just nothing more than a branch that they took and took an axe and made it to fit and then bolted it back on there again. And so, again, this is. This, this, yeah. I, I think this is probably one of the longest horse-drawn wagons I've ever seen. This one's, yeah. what, probably 25 foot long? Right. Or better. <clears throat> yeah, it's about, uh, it, it's, I think it, it's about 25. It's about yeah. the same height and width and everything as what a, a normal uh, prairie schooner or right. whatever would right. be. But the length on it is just phenomenal. Yeah. So women drove this. Uh, men didn't. The kids would walk alongside and collect up wood, and there's usually a belly cloth that right. would be underneath it, sort of like the truck wagon had. And... So they would pick up, you know, manure or whatever they could for cooking, okay? The women drove. The men would be out on horseback in front, and they'd report to the wagon master because the trail wasn't just one trail. They'd branch off. Everybody would right. say, well, I'm going to take this way smoother. We're going to go around this or around that. So the men would go off and ride the different trails and come back and report back to the wagon master who would then say, okay, ladies, we're going to go that way, you know, because consensus says that that's the best way. And that's what he wow. did. It was also called a school wagon. Okay, and the reason why it was called a school wagon is because he traveled in schools like fish. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, um, that's why it, this has mislabeled its list as a Conestoga, which it isn't, but it is truly a, a school a school wagon. wagon. Cool. So wow. ladies can have fun driving that. and go, yeah, it's, it's just like the lady <laughs> truck drivers nowadays. And that's uh, so is this kind of the end of where we are? we got one more building. we still got one more building? We've got one more building. Well, I've got to come back and take some pictures in this one. We, yeah, I'm at your disposal here. <laughs> okay, I'll let you guys go ahead and step out into the windy weather, and we're okay. going to take the sidewalk off to the right there. So we were given, that reminds me, by shutting off the lights on you there, reminds me there's one time we had a group of school kids here, and they had like three buses worth of kids. And then one bus was like we we're short on our head count we can't find a kid we can't in that wagon right there there was a kid that climbed up in there oh. and could, it couldn't get out <laughs> all we could hear was hello hello <laughs> help the little kid out <laughs> 
Yeah, the story that kid could tell, huh? So, it's okay. We're going to go into this next building here, and this is uh, where all of our elegant coaches are. The elegant coaches? Yes. I thought there were some of them and some of the... Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. This one's way cool. <laughs> so this particular... Um, yeah, you can go ahead and close the door all the way. This particular room uh, has the Brewsters in. You heard Andy talk about the Brewsters. The Brewster was a carriage company that had two guys by the name of Rolls and Royce. When they built their combustible drivetrain, um, combustible engine and drivetrain for the new horseless carriages that were coming out, they searched around the world to find a carriage company that had the same workmanship. And the Brewster Company out of New York was selected. So if you bought a Rolls Royce all the way up into the 1960s, it always had a plate on the front that says body by Brewster. Think back to Chevrolet's back in the day. Right. They don't do it anymore. It had a little body by Fisher. Body by Fisher. Same sort of thing. So you had uh, Chevrolet who built the combustible engine drivetrain, put it into fair, uh, the Fisher carriages. Okay. During that transition between carriages and horseless carriages. Well, they were still doing that into the late 60s. Right, they were. Maybe even into right. the 70s. Was, yeah, before the whole, yeah, everything happened with all the big motor companies. Right. So, um, wow. anyways. So but Mr. Rolls and Royce. Yes. I've never heard of them before. Right, you haven't. No, no. I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, they had some sort of like smart car business or something, something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is a two-wheel cart that's a, a Brewster carriage cart. And whenever we could, we got from the Brewster company the complete build sheet on it so you could see what that was ordered. They're all custom built, just like Rolls Royces were. You know, there's okay. a build sheet that could be added to it. Now, Brewster yeah. was making automobiles back in the 30s. Mm -hmm. They had one, I, I really loved the grill, I think, probably yeah. like on a 1938 or somewhere. Right, we have in that a model vicinity. of it over there. Uh, uh, yeah. Brewster that's just right. They also made an aircraft, too. Oh, known, did they? It was known as a flying coffin because okay. it, was, it was the hardest thing to, to handle. It wasn't very... You know, okay. it wasn't built well. Let's put that huh. way. They they need to just stick with building automobiles and that. So this is a hack or a station wagon. The term station wagon comes from being able to go take people from a stage station or a train station to their hotel or wherever they were wanting to go to. Okay. Uber or whatever, you know, lift from back in the day. This one here out of New York City even has a privacy glass that, that folds down. So the driver cannot hear the business dealings that were going on behind because often the driver would try to get paid off by the competition of whoever they were okay. calling to steal ideas. And, that, wow. and then the Woody station wagons that we think of like in the 50s and that, yeah. if you look at the size of these station it's wagons. It's exactly the same. Exactly. So. Yeah, these are carriages or, or buggies is what they are. That, right. uh, they've, got, they've got two sets of seats, and they look kind of like your normal buggy all except uh these ones here are finished wood natural right, wood natural color wood. no top to them no top they've got some neat stairs going up or steps right and uh the sides of them are done in the panel right. uh pattern it's like what bronson you see on style. the right. bronze okay it's called bronson style okay that. so the two of these when the antiques roadshow came through here about 15 years ago they uh valued that one at about 3500 dollars plus the lamps because lamps were usually more than what the right. carriages were and then this one here came in at about thirteen hundred. Okay. okay, they don't look that much different. This is a Chauncey Thomas Cadillac. This is a Brewster Rolls Royce. Okay, name means everything. Name. In means fact, the Chauncey Thomas even has a couple of features on it that are better than what the Brewster has. And what were they using for the lights? Carbide. Uh, they started out using candles. Okay. And then they went to whale oil. 
Okay. Then they went to another kind of oil, you know, and then they, uh, they eventually switched over to carbide in the 1900s, sort of okay. like. But the lamps on the on all of the carriages are not used as headlights like we have today. Right. They're used to be seen, you know, so that as you're coming in, most of the time people didn't ride their carriages at nighttime or drive them at nighttime, especially in the wood, you know. It was a, if they did, it was in the city. But out in the country, they wouldn't. But it was so that you could see, because you can see a candle a mile right, away. Right, right. And so when you can see them coming, they also doubled as your front door lights, too, for your house. So if you go to any big box store or, you know, or lighting store and say, oh, I want a new front door light. Right, right. You'll look in the one area, it'll be called carriage-style lights. And the reason being is because you could take these lights and pop them right off of the little carrier here, take it, and then put it right up by your front door light. Okay. okay. Yeah, and he just so, pulled the he just pulled the lamp out of uh, out of a little holder on the side of the wagon, and you use the part that he pulled out on the bottom as your handle, and you could move it and put it at your house. And that's why they How always cool had. How is that? And then that, you could see your walk as you went. Exactly. That's your flashlight too. There you go. So, yeah, one candle power flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> How many lumens is that? <laughs> you know, no LEDs. Wow. So, uh, we have a little Healy here. We have three of these uh, that have, um, this one's kind of cute because it's got a parasol top. It's all wicker with red velvet. It's been restored beautifully. Now, Healy, did that change into the Austin Healy Company? There's, a, there's another Healy Company, too. I was originally told that by the gentleman who this uh, barn is named after. It's named after Stan Grimes. And uh, he told me that it was part of the Austin Healy. As we did a little bit more research, we found out there's another Healy company that was okay. Austin Healy. This this is a different Healy, but they did high-end carriages also. Okay. Uh, mostly sports cars, you might say. Right. So if you notice, this one is, is, is very sporty. The wheels actually, it's got what we call a cutout back here. So the wheels never rub the frame. Right. You can take your horse and you can spin and do donuts with this thing, and one wheel, one back wheel will stand still. Okay. As it's spinning in circles. And the front wheel won't hit, you know, no, always had it goes, places. Yeah. It goes, in fact, it'll turn even more than 90 degrees. Wow. Hey, that's, Stan. That's a neat feature. Stan, what keeps it from tipping over? Well, there's something called a fifth wheel. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. There's something called a fifth wheel. Okay. We hear of a, today, like for camp trailers right. and, and semis and that. But right here, this one's a little bit better visible. Uh, you've got four wheels on the ground, and your fifth wheel is right there. Right. That's a stabilizing feature, so when you turn, it doesn't tip over. So you've got that fifth wheel. You'll notice on some of you've them. You've got your center point right. is what you've got to some where it's all this triangular. Such as that carriage right there has a full fifth wheel that goes right. all the way around. And some don't. It's just some of them make them half or sometimes three-quarters, sometimes one-third. And it's all because of the weight of the vehicle. You want to keep it as light as possible. And okay. These you can just kind of push around, and they're really easy to roll. Then you've yeah. got a really nice display of, uh, the carriage of lamps. your carriage lamps. Right. Wow. So you can see the different designs. Most of them have that, that long snout that comes out of the bottom right. that's used as a handle or also for mounting on your carriage. And those are often, you know, like we mentioned earlier, a lot more expensive than what the um, carriages were because they used silver a lot of times in there and, uh, you know, for a reflective, you know, right. reflective. it wasn't right. just nickel silver. Here's your Brewster um, uh, automobile, or no, this is a Packard. I'm sorry, this is a Packard. It's a, uh, Brewster was a, it looked, a model. It was a model of the Packard. Okay. Oh, so was like, it? Yeah. It was so part it was, of the, it was yeah, a it's like a Ford Taurus, right? Okay, or a Chevrolet Malibu. The Packard had the Brewster, so it was a model of it. Okay. So, and then 
But the grill, the, the grill that I saw started yeah. out high and then came way out in front oh, with, yeah. a, with a big curve on it. Oh, yeah. i, I got to look that one up. I'll, I'll have to show it yeah. to you when we're done with the podcast because yeah. it's, it's pretty neat. So behind you here is, well, before we go any farther, there's right here, this is your tire shop from back in the right. day. So you take the wheel off of the, the, your carriage, mount it up here on the hub. The, we've got these rubber um, strips, strips, basically, yeah. out there. They come rolled up in a, in a big spool. You feed wires through these. Oh, they ran wires? They ran wires through okay. there. Uh, this is, uh, last time they purchased this, it was about $13 a foot. I imagine it's double that by now. And that, so what you do is you uh, measure your rubber so that it's twice the, uh, it's two spokes farther than the circumference of your tire. Right. Okay, wheel. And I'll explain why in a little bit. So what you do is you feed the wires through here. Right. You soap it up and feed it through. And then the wires come up through here into these, and you bend them around into these things. The rubber is then held back by these clamps here, okay, these two little dogs that come right. out. As you ratchet like this, it tightens up the yeah. wires until it's really tight. Then you weld or braze the two wires together, snip them off, hammer it down tight, take your wheel off, and you bounce it on the ground. You keep bouncing it. And then that rubber that sh shuts up. Yes, literally. Shut wow. up. It, it, so the reason why we have it farther is because now you don't need any glue. Right. Because the rubber is trying to expand all the time and push against each other to make up those two spokes and so I always wondered how they got that that rubber on those on those wagon yeah, wheels. Yeah. So a couple more Brewster carts here. Uh, we've got um, then old man Brewster when he passed away, he had uh, he, the company went to his son and his son continued building this. We call this our Marine O'Hara coach because it was used by Marine O'Hara in several movies filmed at Old okay. Tucson. The glass windshield is missing because they took it out so they could film her without getting glare, and we have no idea what happened to it. Same huh. thing with the vanity that was inside there. Wow. So, the other one was built by uh, Brewster's other son, who started the J.B. Brewster Company, who was a competing Brewster company. So, so in a car, you've got a dashboard. Right. This, we have a dashboard. This one, we have a dash. It's made out of leather. Okay. This is a dashboard. And the dash sits up in front of the, the driver. Right, it's to keep anything and, and from the backside, the horse to, to deflect it off, the right. dash off of it. So in a car, we have a dashboard. Right. Okay. When they started putting combustible engines in, they needed a fuel gauge and a right. speedometer. They, mount, they couldn't mount it to a dash. Which was just made out of leather. Leather. Yeah. So they mounted it to the dashboard. That's Board. where the term dashboard came okay. from. For ladies, okay, what they had was underneath the seat of the... The, and we're looking at a, a, a nice little fancy carriage that you'd find um, from the very wealthy people. Underneath the dash here, or underneath the seat there, is a big box area. And the women actually would have a box in there that carried four pairs of gloves. Two pairs of white, two pairs of black. Two pairs were long, two pairs were short. Okay, so you had a variety depending upon the event you were going to. It was in a box about six inches wide, about three inches thick or high, and about 18 inches long. That's where the term glove box comes from. Okay. okay. We think that cars are fancy now because you have the little mirror that flips down that has lighting on it. This coach actually has, and they have an exact one like this up in Cardston, Alberta, Canada at the Remington Museum. It's actually got a mirror that slides on there with a, a triple beveled mirror oh, and that with really? a candle that sits there. Women never put on their faces or fix themselves up before they went to an event like they do now. 
think about traveling through dusty roads, whatever, you know, and then getting our heat here in Arizona. Right. You finally get to the location. So what would happen was the gentleman would step out and notice that there's a cover actually even oh, on the there steps. Is. There's how cool so is that? That's so that the bottom of your feet don't get dirty, so you don't track it into your opera or you know music, you know melodrama, whatever you're going to see, or you wouldn't carry it into your carriage. So the gentleman would step out, close this up. The ladies then would close the curtains all the way around, and then put on their face, fix their hair, put on their hats. And once you open up the curtains, it was a uh, signal to the gentleman to open up the door, help her out, and now they could go. And then they would let the chauffeur who's riding up on top or their dicky drive off with it. So wow. This now, one, this, this stair cover that he's talking mm -hmm. about actually attaches to the door. So when Correct. the door opens up, you've got your clean step. And when the door closes, the cover comes back over the step right. into the buggy. And this one here, How cool is of that? course, competition has even something better. Please. Why is it not working? There we go. Oh, so if you want to let your, um, yeah, it's kind of stiff right now. But if you want to let your chauffeur know that you want to stop, you just pull a little knob there and it rings the bell. <laughs> so. This one here has the green velvet in. Wow. Uh, sure, you bet. This is there just too neat. These. So, and the windows do go up and down. They've got these, like, straps. You right. pull the thing up and you hook it up and then let the things down for circulation. This one, you notice that the windows go up and down in the front. This one here had four windows that slid side to side. Now, do these ones run in the parade also, or are these just they, on display? They normally do. You know what? I, I see there's some cardboard here, which means they're going to start greasing it. So okay. it may run in the parade. Wow. Already. Then you've got just a couple of really Other nice... sports cars, yes. Yeah. So they've got something in the back. Going, you know, talking about... Uh, uh, various things that have transferred from an automobile or from carriages to the automobiles. Right. Okay. This one, ladies would really love to hear about. This little seat back here was known as the mother-in-law seat. <laughs> and the reason why it was called a mother-in-law seat is most of the time they would take the bonnet off or a lot of times they'll have it so that the bonnet folds up like back there. Right. That one has a mother-in-law seat too. That one was actually given to the city of Tucson by Andrew Carnegie. Oh, really? He, in 1901 when they built the Carnegie Free Library downtown. Wow. And it was down in the basement of that building and filled with pack rats and stuff until we got a hold of it and restored it. So going back to the little seat back here, if you got engaged, your first year or during your whole engagement, one of your mothers would have to escort you on every date you went on. So she drove from back here. What looks like handles on the she side. Drove she she from drove the back? from back there. So what looks like handles okay. here are not handles. This They're is where, that's lines. where the lines go through. Okay, wow. you'll notice it on all of them there. So the one back there, the Carnegie even has a loop on the dashboard so that the lines go through there to help guide it straight. The other one over there does too, the little wicker one. So then once you got married, the first year of marriage, one of your mothers would have to ride with you, you know, back here to make sure that you're starting off your marriage properly. <laughs> Already? That's why it's called a mother-in-law seat. Have you ever heard of the term backseat driver? Oh, Yeah. The, the I, I, person I, in the back telling you what to do, that's where the term backseat driver came from. And let me explain this buggy a little bit more. <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got two of them here. Yeah, this but is a this Brewster is, Spider. This, this yeah. looks basically like what everybody calls the doctor's buggy. Mm -hmm. And it's got the leather mm -hmm. bonnet that comes up over the top. And there is a seat that sits on the back that doesn't really have any armrests, doesn't really look like it would be comfortable to sit in at all. And it'd be probably pretty easy to get bucked out of. But uh, mother-in-law had to sit on that back seat and drive 
not being able to see. I don't see how mother-in-law right. could even see because there's not yeah. even a window in that. Uh, they would probably take the top off of this one. This is like after you were, you know, after you're married. If you wanted to go on a date by yourselves without your chauffeur or Dickie right. driving, okay, because your chauffeur would drive from back here. But so, or this would have a uh, you know a little window in it. So I don't know why this one doesn't have a snap up like. Like that, like one, that there. one, yeah, or like well, the other one. Maybe that parasol. was where the phrase "driving blind" came <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is that. That's a bit of a bit of buggy history. I had no clue about. And I didn't know about that until I was up in Canada at a, a carriage museum, and they told me about that. Behind wow. you here is uh, our centerpiece. This is kind of like our fanciest coach of all. This was owned by Maximilian, the Emperor of Mexico. It was really. It was actually commissioned by Napoleon. And uh, if you notice, it was built in Paris, France, okay. shipped over to Mexico for Napoleon. This is Napoleon and Carlotta's everyday coach, you might say. It wasn't their parade coach. Their parade coach is actually in Mexico City in the Capitol building, from what wow. I understand. But uh, it's, it was uh, usually used by the mayor in all of our parades. And then one year, uh, coming around the corner here, the team of horses that was pulling a wagon behind him slipped on the fake brick in the middle of the street there and went to tumble, which spooked the other horse. They bolted, and the driver had a choice of going to the left, plowing into a couple hundred people, going to the right, plowing into a couple hundred people, or taking out the mayor. He figured there's only two people, the mayor and his wife, versus a couple hundred people. So he went straight, trying to slow down his horses, and plowed it right through you know, the back end of this uh, carriage. And Mayor Murphy, he's passed away since then, but he used to come in here, he'd love to tell the story about just seeing the horse's hooves going over the top of my head and that tongue coming right between my wife and I, you know. And he's always dramatic about it. He was a great storyteller about it. Wow. And uh, so then because of the historic significance of it, we had shipped back to uh, Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania, and the Amish had rebuilt it. And uh, it cost a few tens of thousands of dollars. To it's a have fantastic it. looking piece. It's, it's in mint condition right now. So everything was all... So it's not parade going anymore. The only people that can ride in this are people that are on our committee for 50 years. When they wow. celebrate their 50th year on our committee, and we have one member still alive who's, uh, who's celebrated, that's about two or three years ago, celebrated his 50th anniversary with our parade. We have a lot of people uh, that are on the parade committee that uh, basically, once you're on, you just, the pride and the history of keeping all of this running is in your blood, and we have several people that have been on 35, 40 years. Wow. You know, and uh, I'm, I'm one of the young guys on here, and I've been on for a little less than 10 years. But, uh, you know, a lot of organizations, you know, having somebody on a right. committee for, for uh, 20 years is kind of, hard. around here, that's nothing. And uh, so the, the windows, uh, let's just kind of explain this. It's an all-black coach. Uh, it's got a black leatherette at the top that actually folds open and opens up. If you oh, notice really? these curved right. things, you notice them uh, like on the side of hearses for right, decoration right. or the old brome right. co coaches that they had. The reason why they call them bromes is the brome opens up. There's two knobs up on the top that unlatch, and then you fold this open so it's an open carriage. An open carriage, or, or you else can you can close it up. Close up for inclement weather. The beveled glass windows in here are uh, lead crystal, 
Wow. Okay, so this isn't a cheap, you know, run-of-the-mill automobile type of thing, you know, so, or carriage. It does have the step cover on it. Yes, it um, does. And the, the polished brass trim wow. of all of the hand-painted uh, pinstriping on here. It's got the Mexican seal with the Mexican eagle on it and the snake. Uh, it's got the patent leather uh, uh, fenders, fenders so yep. that it doesn't make a lot of noise. Wow. And this is just a beautiful piece. Wow. So Amazing. It is. And so then we get the hearse. I <laughs> always love hearse. Right. This is a white hearse, and the reason why it's white is because it's a children's hearse. It's one-third smaller than an adult hearse. Adult hearses were black and very, very, very fancy. The children's hearses were, were smaller, and if you notice by looking in the back window, you'll see what they call stops. There's several right. stops because it went from infant all the way up to about the age of 10 or 11 when you started going out and apprenticing, and that you right. considered an adult back in those days. In Tucson, in 1800, one child out of 10 would see their 10th birthday. Nine out of 10 would pass away before they saw their 10th birthday. Really? In 1900, five out of 10 would see their birthday. So I just went with a historian, with an archaeologist here in Tucson uh, back last October investigating, uh, or he's showing me around this, where the cemetery is. There's actually houses built on it right now. It's called the Court Street Cemetery here in Tucson. And uh, somebody was digging for a new uh, mailbox post and they hit up, you know, hit wood down there and they knew they were, they were on a cemetery. So of course the archaeologist has to come in. It was a child approximately the age of three years old and, that, and it had a perfect imprint in the forehead right above the eyes of a horse Horse, horse hoof. Yeah. And so it was like instant death for that little child. So when we have children's groups come through, like tomorrow we're going to have 110 kids coming through, I usually stop when we talk about the mortality rate and then say, you know, many of you, you know, get to see your 10th birthday. Aren't you glad you're living today? You know, what are some of the other things that they might have died from? You know, and, uh, you know, disease, you know, falling out of a tree, just an infection. It, we, they didn't know about stuff that we have nowadays. You know, well, childbirth, not... childbirth, you know, is, you know, the moms and the child usually died. You know, it wasn't uh, uncommon for that back then. Yeah, it's amazing. So, so was that nationwide? Do you think the, the mortality rates were that I high? That, or did, that, Tucson, I, did Tucson have different factors going That on? I don't know. I couldn't answer you that. I wish I, I wish I knew, but I really don't know. But I, that's what I had read. Um, I was going through some stuff in the historical society and happened to just come across this mortality rate thing and then went, oh that's wow. and that was before i even came on the parade committee that was several years ago i was like that's that's, that's unbelievable scary kind of you know so um wow the harness that you see well here's a Ooh. example of what that that coach right there looked like after the accident oh you can see how that's it got horrible. torn up you know so they did a beautiful job of the yeah. of the re-restoration of it yeah. though they did and is this the harness? And that's that was... the harness that came with it. Wow, how it was, ornate. It was being used by the governor of Sonora, Mexico, which is a state that's just south of uh, uh, Pima County here, okay. or Santa Cruz County too. Um, Sonora, uh, Mexico, their state. Anyways, uh, the governor didn't like it anymore because he wanted to ride in a combustible engine limousine instead of in a carriage. So some businessmen in Tucson acquired it and then uh, it was passed on to the parade committee and that's all of the original harness from back in the day. Wow, uh, okay. It's pretty or ornate. It is, it's really ornate. 
Uh, we do have the Tournament of Roses coming to be in our parade this year, and uh, they're going to be riding in that little high boy. It's okay. actually a hunting coach. This is, uh, other, this is another Landau that can fold open. You can see here how this thing is kind of like a Rubik's Cube. Okay, these posts fold in. You can see the cracks. This is, this is, these, cracks. Are, these are wooden posts going up yes. to the roof, and the wooden posts fold in where the windshield would be. Right. So, and this one here folds back, back. over the okay. door. Right. Or if you wanted to open up a window, you flap these up, the guides, and pull your window up out of the door. Okay. Alrighty. So, and then. Well, again, there's a latch right there up in the center of like where your dome light would be, you right. might say, in your car. You undo the latch, and then this whole thing unfolds open also. Wow. Yeah, so this was actually, and again, here, go, here goes history, and you don't know how true it is. It was supposed to be used by one of the Dalton uh, brothers in a robbery in uh, Arkansas, and, uh, and he got caught. Oh, really? And so when I bring students through here, I go, why do you think he got caught? Okay, he's trying to get away in a horse-drawn limousine. Would you jump in a limousine or would you jump on a motorcycle nowadays to try to get away? They go, motorcycle? Yeah, wouldn't you rather jump on a horse as opposed to yeah, a carriage yeah, to try yeah. to get away? You just robbed a bank? It doesn't, he wasn't very smart. Well, this no one smart. wouldn't be real identifiable either, no, right? No, I, I mean, it'd be, it'd be like jumping in a, a Rolls Royce. Exactly, It's yes. not like anybody yeah. know who you were. Yeah, this is a nice cream-colored one with, a, with the eagle with the, you know, its uh, arrows and its talons on yep. the side. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Then we've got another Studebaker. This is just basically a little freight wagon that we've got here that's been totally restored. And uh, that takes you through the, what we call our buggy barn. Okay. Yeah. Well, Stan, I really appreciate you taking us through your museum, talking to us about your parade. This has been fascinating. The backstories have been awesome. Yeah. And, uh, this and don't is... forget the north end of the, the, the Adobe building that, where we started before we went on the air. Okay. You know, with the train layout down there, there's about $10,000 worth of train equipment there. The locomotive alone is worth $5,000 because it's really? the exact replica. If you go down to the Transportation Museum downtown, that same locomotive that we have a model of is parked down there, totally restored downtown. Okay. I'll have so, to take a look yeah. at that, but I need to, I need to wrap this one yes, up. No. So I so appreciate your time. I appreciate you spending it with us and explaining all of this. It has been absolutely awesome. If anybody is anywhere in the Tucson area, you need to hit Tucson for museums. If you want to see museums, Tucson's really the place. Right. And this one here is one not to miss. And uh, I finish out my podcast by saying the world is full of wonder. It is. People, get out there and explore, learn some things, see some things, do some things, and have an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?